Wednesday, March the 16th, 2022. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We actually have a kind of like a bonus today. We have so much content, we couldn't even put it all together on one episode. So this is going to be a full bracket breakdown. This is going to be your bracketology. Eric joins me to go through every every game we go through every region. We get them all the way into the final four and into the final. And then Jack Fitzpatrick joins from DRF Sports to talk uh, about the bracket, to give some of his best bets, and to uh, share his final four. So Jack joins me after Eric. We get you a couple hours of breaking down the bracket. If you're someone who needs a little bit of help, you always want to fill out your bracket, but you don't know a lot of these teams. Don't worry. We've got you covered. We've done all the work. We've done the deep dives, and now it's time to talk bracketology. So the schedule, Thursday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time. You can join me live on Twitter. It's me, Gino B, or at BTV Bets, better than Vegas, and we'll have a stream that previews all the games for Thursday. Same thing, Friday. Saturday and Sunday. So we'll be there with you previewing the games early in the morning each and every day. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Right now we get into the bracket. First up, it's the bracket deep dive with Eric. Now if you're someone who's looking for some of the other content that we have, don't worry. On our next episode of That's What G Said, we're going to have wrestling with Chad Cooper. I have a full segment recorded with Andrew Champagne and with Darren Zocali called Remembering Razor. We did a tribute to Razor Ramon. We went took a look back at the life and career of Razor Ramon, Scott Hall, who passed away just earlier this week. And then we'll share some horse racing thoughts for you coming up for, I think we got some Thursday and some Friday racing there for you. I'll have Saturday racing videos posted to social media later in the week. So plenty of the other great stuff that you're used to every week on That's What G Said will be coming, but all brackets on this episode right now, it's Eric. That's What G Said live video stream for you. It's the bracket breakdown, so I had to do this one visually. Eric makes a lot more sense for the folks to be able to see the bracket as we go through it, and I can post this one on the podcast as well. So uh, thanks for jumping on uh, a little early this morning. You and I are recording this on Wednesday morning, the day before the uh, the actual first round of the NCAA tournament begins. We've got some of the playing games later tonight. We had the first round of the playing last night. So, buddy, it's been a lot of work coming uh, up the, over the last couple of weeks just to get here. But I felt like a nice sigh of relief yesterday once I did sort of finalize a lot of my bracket work. I'm sure you kind of feel the same way as we've been. I've been digging into team spreadsheets, all their information, all their stuff, game logs, player stuff, who's been hurt, who's not. Now it's sort of all coming together. Yeah. I mean, you know, all the hard work's playing off. Today is like, what is it, Christmas Eve? I mean, yeah. you know, got a big day of basketball tomorrow, and then it just bleeds over to Wednesday, no, to Friday, excuse me. And, you know, it's it's a great time of year. I love it. The NIT is going on. We had some good NIT games yesterday, too. So it's it's just a fun time. So we're going to go through the bracket ourselves. We'll talk about each matchup as we go through. <laughs> Eric, I'm going to pull I'm going to pull our bracket full screen cuz it looks so funny with your head. It looks like your head's on the body the way that the logo yeah, is. Can you yeah. see that? You, yeah. you got your head on yeah. the body and then you can see my extra eyebrow on top of me. So I'm I'm going to pull uh, us I'm going to uh, pull us full screen so that way uh, we'll just we'll just have the bracket up while we're talking so we can kick back. If you want to uh take your pants off or anything, feel free because you won't be on the camera for a little while. So uh, I like to do some of my podcasting naked. So just oh, for anyone out there who's – you could be nice and comfortable. 
you know, you never have to, you don't have to worry about anything. So uh, <laughs> just be careful. You don't drop anything on yourself in that, in that situation. Let's jump into it, buddy. We're going to go from the West. We'll start up top with the West and then we'll, uh, we'll go through. So, up top with Gonzaga. I mean, they're a heavy favorite. They're they're the team to beat right now, like the overall one seed in the tournament. Um, they play a Georgia State team that I got to say, of like the bottom tier seeds, they're not just some, a, a, a gimme, right? They're actually a decent team, but they ran into a, a tough matchup. Like if Georgia State hooked up with one of the weaker twos or threes, they could give them a little bit of a run for their money. But I just think Gonzaga is going to have a little bit too much here. So nothing crazy for me. But I do think our first uh, disagreement might come in the Memphis-Boise State game. Tell us a little bit why uh, I think you're on the Boise side. I like Boise just because of their defense. And um, Memphis does turn the ball over at an insane clip. And because of that, I think it's going to lead to some free buckets for Boise. Um, we don't know if Bates is going to play. Bates has been out. Bates has been a huge disappointment for Memphis. We don't really know if he's going to play. I know Memphis has the big guy who's going to be a top 10 pick, uh, Duran. But Boise's got three dudes over 6'10". So they have a lot of bodies they can throw at him. Um, and it's just a great pace matchup. I mean, Memphis is 29 in the country. Boise is 310. I think Boise is going to be able to control the pace and Memphis is going to be able to um, Memphis is going to turn the ball over. But uh, I mean, and we saw last night, like if your point guard, because we're recording this Wednesday last night in the Wyoming game, um, their point guard had seven turnovers in the first half. And I mean, you're just here sitting watching this and you're like, dude, there's no way they're going to win when your point guards turn the ball over that much. So I think Boise is going to be able to turn over Memphis and Boise state. Um, they had a couple of bad losses early, but they've been very good recently in what's being looked at as an extremely strong conference this year. Uh, one of the knocks for them is the bad free throw shooting. They are 65% from the field, number 346 in the country. So like, like what's going to happen with a lot of these teams, Eric, you know, the top 10, 12 teams in the country probably don't have a whole lot of flaws and, even a lot of them do. There are very few teams that are perfect. And so you'll see with these two teams, they're, they're flawed for sure. Boise state has some weaknesses. And then Memphis, you mentioned they are, their turnover rate, extremely high. Number 352 in the country, 22.9 turnovers per game. But then on the flip side, pretty solid defense. They're ranked number 32 overall. Um, without Amani Bates, since he's been out, they've actually ranked as the second best team in the country over that span based, uh, uh by Bartovic rankings only behind Gonzaga and they're 12 and two since that penny rant. So it sort of feels like one of those close eight, nine games where you can make cases for both. N- neither team is a standout or uh, anything all that impressive. That's probably why they're in the eight, nine line. So Boise state is the lean for Eric here. I'm going to go Memphis, but while we're up here, Eric, I can't get either of these teams past Gonzaga. So I'd have Gonzaga moving through into the sweet 16 anyways, right here over for me, what will yeah. be Memphis. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, we go below them, Eric, and we we have the little five four section in the, uh, the the top of the West here with UConn up top. So I, I have UConn beating New Mexico State. This game opened up around like a, a seven seven and a half point favorite uh, or so for UConn. For them, one of the keys for me is uh, Sonogo when he's on the court. 
when he's playing, they're very, very good. One of their losses came to Providence when he was not playing. He does a great job helping them rebound the ball. When he's on the court, they rebound 39% of their missed shots. They are the number one offensive rebounding percentage team in the nation. And so that's a big part of it. They give themselves extra opportunities here. I think against teams that just aren't quite as athletic as them, that's something that UConn will be able to really capitalize on. So I'm leaning UConn here uh, over New Mexico State. And then below that in the uh, Arkansas-Vermont game. Now, this is going to be one of my first sort of upsets, mainly because I'm not like sold on Vermont necessarily all that much here. This isn't me like loving Vermont. This is just kind of an anti-Arkansas play. And it's because I wouldn't have Arkansas going very far anyways here. Um, Arkansas, for me, would be, be losing their next game. At the very least, one more to Gonzaga. So I think it's a good spot to try to fade a team that I just haven't been all that high on this year. They had a stretch of games earlier in the year where they won 13 of 15 during that stretch though. They only made 32% of three point shots. I think that's the kind of thing that you and I would target with like a football team too, or any team that played well, but maybe that stretch of games wasn't quite as good as it might've looked on paper. Maybe they got lucky a couple times. The ball bounced their way. There might've been three or four games where they won. They could have lost. They won two games in overtime. There was another game that they won by one, another game that they won by two, and then a game where they were up by six against Florida with about five minutes to go, uh, where, where Arkansas was down about by six um, uh, to Florida, about five minutes to go. Florida, in three consecutive possessions, threw up horrendous shots from three, and then in those three straight, Arkansas made three threes. So it was a nine-point swing immediately that just flipped the game. So I don't know how good they are. And maybe this is a little ambitious of me to to try to knock them out right away. But some of these things, Eric, come down to how we build our brackets too, right? Sometimes it's you playing against the team, not liking them. Sometimes it's kind of the spot. That's sort of how I looked at this. I'm kind of playing this as the spot in my bracket where I wouldn't have had Arkansas going deeper. So this may be a place where I can get a little advantage if uh, if Vermont has a shot. And this the, the betting line on this game, I think, tells you that Vegas and everybody feels like Vermont does have a shot because this thing is, is kind of hovered right around five. Yeah. Um, my This is my thing with Arkansas and Vermont. It kind of reminds me of last year's game with Arkansas against Colgate. Colgate was kind of like the buzz team, kind of like Vermont is this year. Um, you know, got a, last year Colgate got out to a lead, but the second half, the pressure and the athleticism that Arkansas was able to run at them just got too much late turnovers at the end and Arkansas was able to get the victory. And that's kind of what I think here. I and that's what they've been that. doing all year to Arkansas. Like uh, for as much as I've, they've had sort of bad first halves and stuff. They do have some proven players there. You have someone like Note. So late in the game when other teams maybe get a little bit tight, you have the guy that doesn't really get tight. So that is something that helps yeah. them a lot too. On the plus on that. I mean, Arkansas has been battle tested. I mean, like you said, they've been in some wars, some late game wars against Auburn, Kentucky, Florida, where they've been down in crunch time, and they've had to um, they've had to come up with the goods. My thing with Vermont is, when was the last time they're actually tested? You know what I mean? When was the time the last time was a critical situation? We've seen when we get these teams from the um, not not the Power Six conference. I mean, year after year with Gonzaga. When they get in these close games, because these kids haven't been in these situations, they make mental mistakes. And I could see Vermont covering, but I I actually have Arkansas winning. Um, in the other game with New Mexico State, UConn, 
I have New Mexico State going through. Um, both teams are going to slow down the pace. New Mexico State has advantages, pure shot quality in three throw percentage and in offensive rebounding. And they like to do a lot of dribble threes. Uh, UConn is outside the top 100 defending a dribble three. So I really think like New Mexico State has some some advantages in that uh, in that category. So I actually have New Mexico State going through, but then I have Arkansas beating New Mexico State. So it sets up for me, Gonzaga, and Arkansas in the Sweet 16. So this is where we're a little different right off the bat. I'm, I'm going to go the opposite. I've got Connecticut getting through. I've got Vermont losing. The thing about uh, Vermont beating Arkansas with Arkansas, got to be – you just got to be careful with Vermont and because one of the positives with them, they just shoot. They're, they're smart. They, sh- they take good shots and they shoot at a high clip. So they're not necessarily like going to gun you out of the building with their tempo, but they're, they will make you pay if you turn the ball over, if you're sloppy, because they will, they're just smart about the way they attack you. New Mexico state. They're not bad. I just wonder if some of the athleticism of Connecticut could get become a little bit too much for them. So we'll have a, a slightly different top part of our Western bracket here where uh, I think we both have Gonzaga moving on to the Elite Eight portion, but I actually have Connecticut beating New Mexico State. I have Vermont over Arkansas, and then I've got Connecticut getting through there uh, over Vermont. So Connecticut and Gonzaga in the Sweet 16 for me up there, and then I've got Connecticut, and you've got uh, Gonzaga over Arkansas, right? Correct. Okay, cool. So let's uh, continue down a little bit and go to the bottom half of the West, Eric. So we we start with Alabama up at the sixth spot. As of now, we know that Alabama will play the winner of the Rutgers-Notre Dame game, which is later on tonight. So a little more difficult to discuss this game from just a individual standpoint. But, man, Alabama, one of the crazier teams in the tournament this year. Alabama is a team that is literally capable of beating anyone and literally capable of losing to anyone. They lost their last three games of the year, but they have wins over Gonzaga, Baylor, so two number one seeds, Tennessee, a three seed, Arkansas, a four seed, Houston, a five seed, LSU, a six seed. (laughs) That's a great, great resume of wins, but they're number 94 in defensive efficiency. And when, when we get to the tournament, if you're a team that's, if you're like below 60, 70 in defensive efficiency, you're going to be in some serious trouble pretty quickly. Like, I just don't ever think you're going to make it that far unless your team shoots the lights out. So it, I I mean, can they win? Would it be the craziest thing in the world if we saw this team, you know, in in two weekends beating good teams? No, but I just can't see them doing it consistently back to back to back when they haven't all year long. Yeah, I mean, they've done so inconsistent. And um, when you really look at it, how the um, Oates system is, not really system, but how he plays, is everything's dribble, drive, kick out for an open three. And this year they're only shooting 31% from the three. So, I mean, they just had the three-point shots haven't been haven't been falling. Um, for me, I think they are too athletic for Notre Dame. Notre Dame plays a lot of zone. Um, they're really not that deep. So if Notre Dame is able to beat Rutgers later this evening, I'll, I'll actually have Bama beating Notre Dame. I think so too. Yeah, but, I agree. Yeah. I, I don't like Notre Dame. I just don't think very much of them at all. Um, but with Rutgers, Rutgers is that team that, I mean, they're just. It's funny. Rutgers is kind of like Alabama. Yeah. They're just such a frustrating team. You got Ron Harper Jr. Who's just a money player, but they go through these stretches where, um, 
they just get away from him and it's that dorky looking dude with a headband who tries to post you up you know there's just I don't like the way they flow offensively just doesn't make sense to me. So, I mean, that's a Jekyll and Hyde team. I mean, I think they get it done against Notre Dame and I think Rutgers gets it done against Alabama just because they'll have the best player on the court with Ron Harper jr. Yeah. I think I'm leaning uh, there with you in both of those two. I'd lean Rutgers Alabama, but yeah, they do. Rutgers is the same type of team. Rutgers has some excellent wins on their resume. Rutgers was the first team in NCAA, let me just ch- uh, correctly check this fact. Yeah, the first unranked team ever to beat four consecutive ranked teams. So they they had a really great stretch through their season. But again, they're the type of team that can beat anyone, can lose to anyone. They're inconsistent. But you mentioned with Ron Harper Jr., there could be many nights where they have one of the best, if not maybe the best player on the floor. Yeah, just give them to him and get out of the way. Like, you know, like sometimes when you have like that player that's just better than people. Just let him cook. Playing at the next level. Yeah. Give him the ball. Everyone, everyone just out of the way and just let him work. So I, I like Rutgers to make, to, to make it to the round of 32. Um, below Rutgers in uh, Alabama, we've got Texas Tech, Montana State. Hey, shout out to the Bobcats. Uh, I was up at Sam Houston. There was an event there for some of the Montana State alum. A lot of the people uh, from Montana State head out to Houston because there's a company there that they do a lot of work for that was, uh, I think, created by by a Montana State alum. There's like a program there. So I was rocking the Bobcats hat. I had a drink with the people up there. And so we were talking a few – it was like – middle of February about if they thought that they had a chance to make it. We were looking at some of their scores and looking at how the conference was lining up. And so they got the job done. They're going to come in here and play against a, a Texas tech team. But I, I will say as far as a mid major team coming in and, and playing against uh, a, you know, a, a major conference team, this is not a great matchup because you end up running into the best defensive team in the country in Texas tech. And so if you are not able to really, really find ways to crack that defense, I think you're going to be in trouble because this is a very, very good defensive team. And I just don't know if South Dakota state or some of the smaller schools are quite ready for the level of, uh, of, of defensive pressure this team is going to put on you. So here's the thing, like as crazy as it sounds, I think this is Texas tech's, toughest matchup until they meet Gonzaga as crazy as is ludicrous. No, it's until the sweet 16, excuse me. Um, Just because Texas tech does follow a lot. 22% of Montana's points do come from a three throw line. And with the, the packet in defense, you have to be able to shoot the three and, you know, Montana state 37% on the year. So they do shoot at a good clip. I think this game is closer than people think just because of the matchup wise, but you know, with the size, the D and the rebounding, I think Texas tech will be able to sneak out the victory. So this is a game that you may look to play maybe on a, a point spread, try to yeah, try to play my, Montana. Yeah, state. I'll definitely look at Montana stay on the point. I, spread I think this was around, uh, I'm going to pull up some of the current lines. Cause a lot of the stuff that I had written down was from the openers. I, I saw this thing around like 16. Yeah. And like with Texas tech struggles, like I've been saying it all year, they, they struggle a lot from the three throw line. So if you're able to kind of them laying laying these big numbers, they're the type of team we always target 
laying the numbers. Like I love Texas Tech as a dog or in games where they're like a tiny favorite, you know, just in those short games because it doesn't matter that much. But like you said, if they're a bad free throw shooting team, they're not an incredibly efficient like offensive team. They're not going to overwhelm the hell out of you offensively, right? They're fine. Yeah. Um, but there's nothing like they shoot fine from two. They're not like an overwhelming three point shooting team. They're not going to crush you there. So if they leave a few extra points from the free throw line on the table, now all of a sudden it's going to be tough for them to cover big numbers. Yeah. And I mean, I'm looking right now, um, the best line out there is about 15 and a half. Yeah. So I, I would, I would definitely look to, to take that in a game where I just don't know if I could take Montana state to win. Cause like you said, I like the, you know, Texas tech moving forward then against uh, Alabama or, or Rutgers in that game. And, uh, and then as we get a, a slightly below that one, we, uh, we take a look at the two, the little section with the two in this uh, bracket and that is in this region. And that is Duke. And I've been, I've been not very impressed with what we've seen from Duke recently. Eric uh, Duke lost coach K's final home game to North Carolina. They lost the ACC final it wasn't as if they just lost those games either. They got their asses kicked. They weren't in either one of those games, really. I mean, they got beat up. And that's – I don't like looking at teams that got crushed. Teams can have some losses and can have bad matchups or maybe a game or two where they get crushed and they were missing players and they had some key injury issues or you know reasons why, right? But when you see teams that have multiple ass kickings in their last couple weeks coming into the tournament – that's something that concerns me just a little bit. And Duke had that happen twice to teams that are not as good as them. Yeah. And um, at the end of the day, like we have to remember, and this is like really hard for people to do is these are kids, you know, these are young kids, young adults. And Duke is one of the youngest teams in the NCAA tournament and I just really feel like the pressure of this being Mike Shashevsky's last year is just catching up with them. And on top of that, you put on their defensive flaws. I mean, this is just a lot, of, a lot for this team to overcome right now. And I just, you were hitting on the experience. So they are the, the metric that is used to great experience. They have a, a 0.98 years average the amount of years that the average player on their team has played, you compare that to the national average, which is 1.9 or 1.87. They are 345 in their ranking as far as being that, that young, they are literally one of the 15 to 20 youngest, most inexperienced teams in the country. And it kind of shows in these important games. Now, when things tighten up, like they kind of get punched and they don't have as many punches to throw back. Exactly. Um, and plus, like you mentioned, the defense last three games are giving up 38% from three. And with the way the game is played now, you just can't be giving up that much percentage. So, uh, you know, I definitely have not beating Cal State 4 10 Fulton has a transfer from Tennessee, 6'7". Uh, EJ Anowski, I mean, he's decent. He can put it up. But I just think with the talent Duke has and that basically being a home game for him with where they're playing, I think they'll be able to get through this game. Yeah, I agree. But I do have them losing next round. Me too. I, I've got them losing to Davidson um, in that game. I oh, think you're, and you're a Michigan State oh, guy. Oh, I know. Oh, I know. 
I know, but I think we're both going to do it to each other in this bracket because I think you're going to zig on my Trojans when we get there in, in just a minute. Um, mainly because for Michigan State is, I actually think that Izzo has done a, a pretty damn good job with this team this year because I just don't know how good they are, honestly. Like they, they, because they're well coached, they're going to fight, they're going to battle you. They're, you know, they'll probably, you know, throughout the season, they probably won a few games that they shouldn't have won because of that. But, you know, they're just six and nine in their last 15. They have no real star. They, they're pretty good at three point shooting percentage. They're top 20 in that. And other than that, they're not really great at anything. Um, They're just sort of okay. In a lot of, in a lot of spots. Now with Davidson, they, to me, their ceiling is just a lot higher than Michigan state's in the type of a game that they're able to play. Davidson's probably B minus or C level game though would be much worse because I don't know what their floor is like from a, like a defensive standpoint, but one of the major positives with Davidson and and why I think it's a, it's a great matchup for them is they are just a very, very good offensive team overall. And it's not just in one area, they're number 11 in offensive efficiency. They just shoot really, really well. They're 50. They shoot over 55 and a half percent from the field. They are number eight in the country in three point percentage at 38 and a half. So I look at this matchup and I think that one of Michigan state's strengths isn't even really a strength in this game. They're a good three point shooting team, but the team across from them is actually much more prolific and a better three point shooting team. They do have a bad defense though. So it's not as if Davidson is perfect. And I, the reason why I kind of read into this, this is sort of that Grinch in me, Eric. I think the committee was pretty obvious about what they did here. The committee wanted to have a, a Coach K, Tom Izzo game in the Sweet 16. Exactly. They exactly. wanted to do that. And I, I feel like Davidson's probably looking at this going, hey, you know what? I'm not so fast here. What do you see? This line was pretty close to a pick right? Is it still right around there? Right around one? Or uh... I mean, here's the thing. This is the way I look at it is a – Michigan State, you know, can shoot the three, but they also they are the top in the Big Ten at defending the three, which Davidson likes to do. Davidson does have some holes defensively. Michigan State has a huge sides advantage with Bigham, who's been playing great lately. Um, to me, that comes down to this in the Big Ten championship, no, Big Ten semifinals. Um, like literally within a span of like 45 seconds, uh, Walker, who's Michigan State's starting point guard, rolled his ankle didn't come back and then Hogarth hurt his ankle but he came back and they usually like to close the game with Hogarth and Walker both on the court so if Walker's not there and for those who don't know Walker he played at Northeastern last year he was the MEAC player like player of the year in the conference kids legit and he's an older guy kind of calms everyone down a little bit smoother he's the guy with the ball in the hands in the go-to situation so if he can't go like reality, the situation is all of Davidson. But if he can go, I think Michigan State just has like too much for Davidson, and their ability to defend the three will, um, you know, will be in their favor. I mean, and uh, yeah, and then I have Michigan State beating Duke. Yeah, because uh, I've got the I've got Davidson beating Duke. I've got yeah. Duke losing, and and um and and that maybe this could be dangerous when you're building your bracket anyone doing like i said i i wanted to go anti-michigan state because i think uh, in this spot because i think people 
are going to want to pencil that Izzo Coach K game in. But but the game that I really I like Davidson over Duke because of that matchup really well because the way that Duke's defense is not very good. Like you said, we've seen with Duke recently, their defense is not great. And Davidson could absolutely take advantage of that and stroke the three. That could be a real up and down kind of game. So I think Duke could definitely beat Davidson if they get there. I think either of these teams could beat Duke if they got there. Um, you know, like I, I am as a USC fan, um, I, I knew that sort of as I was watching these brackets unfold, I knew that my team was probably going to be on the seven line. And I was actually... You never want to root for someone, but I would have been totally okay being uh, being placed in the little quarter bracket with Duke as the two, with USC as the seven. I would have felt really good about that. I, I didn't want to run into Kentucky. I didn't really want to run into maybe Villanova, but I didn't mind Duke, and we'll talk about Auburn in a second when we get there. They just didn't feel like one of these I – don't, I don't know how Duke got a two and Tennessee got a three, just based on how those teams were playing coming in, but it doesn't really matter, I guess, now. Um, I just – I think Duke could lose either to either team in the second round. And the thing is, is like with Davidson's motion offense, uh, they run a lot of sets similar to uh, to Vitek. And we saw how much Duke struggled with Vitek. So, yeah, I'm just – yeah, Duke's – I mean, anyway, who they play, I'm really confident in them losing. Um, but, yeah, I think Texas Tech – Texas Tech, I think they have a great, um, great matchup with whoever it is. Yeah. I got, so I've got tech getting through. So I've got Davidson over Duke. So in my little sweet 16 right there, I have uh, the three seed of Texas tech versus the 10 seed of Davidson. I've got Texas tech getting through there to them. And then in the final for the West regional, I've got Gonzaga against Texas tech there. And I'm going to initially right now I have Gonzaga moving through. I would love to have Texas Tech move through. That would be the type of game that we were talking about, like the spot that I would love to play Texas Tech as a dog against a team with a really good, awesome offense. Texas Tech could be a defensive type team that Gonzaga hasn't really seen. You know, they've seen St. Mary's. They've seen some pretty good defensive teams. I just don't like that. That could be the type of defense late in the year for Gonzaga. That could be a little bit too much for them. Now that that would be a rematch of a game from earlier in the year in uh, De- in December. But I, you know, with these teams like a Texas Tech right now, they're when when they run through their conference play and they get a little bit more battle tested and that defense has to deal with Baylor's and Kansas's and, you know, those type of teams night in night, night out. This is definitely a defense at this point of the year that is going to be better than anything Gonzaga would have faced. That would be a really fun kind of contrast of styles there in a regional final with Texas tech and Gonzaga. Yeah. And they played earlier the year, you know, it was tight for a little bit, but uh, you know, I'll definitely probably play Texas tech plus the points there, but yeah. I just think that the two hundred monster of the big too much size. And I mean, like, I get it. Like everyone's Knox Holgram because he's like, you know, like a string bean, but dude, kid's got skill, man. He's really fin- you know, and, and it's skill. not as if he's a it's not as if he's soft, yeah. right? I think he just looks he's just skinny looking. It was like how Durant is too, you know. It's funny, think about the crap that Durant would get when before he came in. It which is like, is he what can he post up or is he strong enough and oh, for a lot of players that's valid right that's something valid I, the other guy that i can remember who was sort of like that was Tayshawn prince who you know your guy who when Pr- prince was the number one ranked high school player in the country when he came in to kentucky because i remember usc wanted to get a sniff with him and then prince was someone who 
you never knew how he was going to make it. Cause he had that weird sort of real thin frame and the guy was a stud too. Um, so I, yeah, I don't, I don't really, Holmgren's gotten better and better. And, and he, it, the, the clip that he shoots from three just feels like Zag has got a little bit too much, but this is, this is where I could start to look to try to play against Gonzaga. Now. I just don't think that they get beat. I don't think they could even get beat maybe until here. Like maybe like a Yukon or Arkansas could be athletic enough to where like if Note went nuts or if Cole and the other guy had a decent game for Yukon, but I don't think I could start looking to try to, to beat Gonzaga until about this spot with Texas Tech. And even then, I'm still got Gonzaga moving through to the final four here. Yeah, me too. The thing with Tech is they just don't have that one. You need that one guy. You need that guy in the wing that could create. You know, that you yeah. know could get you 20 if you need. Yeah. And they have enough time with that. Like they, It's all spread out. They're a good team. But sometimes deeper you get into the tournament, you need that. Like you said, you need the guy. You need the player. Mm-hmm. Someone you can lean on when, when shit gets a little bit tough and difficult. And you, then you have that stretch where, uh-oh, Gonzaga's making their run right now, right? You know it's going to happen in games. It's inevitable. Texas Tech plays really well for you know, the first half or for three quarters of the, of the game. And then all of a sudden here comes Gonzaga on a run. You turn the ball over two or three times in a row. The momentum starts going. Do you have the guy there at tech that can quiet that, right? That can go yeah. get a bucket, uh, a, just a mid range jumper to go to the lane and draw a foul and shoot two and just get the momentum back on your side. I don't know if they have that. We'll see, but they are battle tested. They're well coached and they have a fantastic defense. They have a lot of templates for a team that can, win and uh, and overachieve a little bit texas tech here uh gonna have them losing in the final and uh gonzaga moving on to the final four eric let's head to the bottom part um on the uh, the left side of the bracket so let's take a look at the east and uh, the east begins with baylor up top as the number one seed against norfolk stake and then we got north carolina and marquette there in the uh, the eight nine matchup so baylor they are they're depleted uh, Cryer and, uh, and JTT, two of their better players are out. So their depth will be a major question there. Um, last year, Baylor won all six of their tournament games by at least nine points. That's incredibly dominant there. But I just, I could see them winning a game or two. I don't think they're good enough with this current roster to beat some of the top 15-ish teams in the country in this tournament. So I've got Baylor getting through probably two games but I'm going to have them use, uh, losing in a minute to, to UCLA, and we'll get there. Baylor over Norfolk State for me. And then in the North Carolina-Marquette matchup. You know, Eric, I don't. I think that game where North Carolina beat Duke in the final was, or in the final game of the year, is a game that we're probably digging into a little bit too much when we look at North Carolina. I never thought they were that good this year. They've got wins against Duke, Michigan, Vautech, but then they lost to Vautech. Number 27 ranked offense. They shot 36% ish from three in the regular season. Like they're fine, pretty good offensively, nothing fantastic defensively. And I was just really down on the ACC for a lot of this year. Um, I, I, I look at North Carolina in this game, sort of what we were just talking about. If it's a tight game late where they're, they're sort of going back and forth here, a game where North Carolina, I think is a small favorite. I feel like, 
Marquette might have the better player on the court. This is someone you and I talked a little bit about yesterday when we were doing the, the bracket breakdown for Better Than Vegas with Justin Lewis, the star freshman. So Marquette with Shaka in a situation like this, no, they haven't been playing all that well lately either. They're four and six in their last 10. They lost to Butler. They lost to DePaul. But I'm still going to lean Marquette in this spot over North Carolina. So I'll have Marquette getting through North Carolina. I'll have Baylor beating Marquette to move on there to the Sweet 16. What do you have up in this little portion? I like Baylor. Um, I know they've had some injuries, but I really don't think they're going to see anyone that can exploit their weaknesses for a while. Um, So I have them going through against um, Norfolk State. North Carolina, um, I kind of think the game against Vodkak reminds everyone how just how inefficient they are on the defensive end. Marquette is going to shockingly have the best player on the court. So with Lewis, so I think Marquette's going to be able to get through there. Um, then I have Baylor beating uh, beating Marquette just because Baylor Baylor can check and they're gonna really frustrate Marquette and um, if Marquette's threes aren't falling they they struggle a lot so I really think Baylor's gonna be able to limit Marquette's three ball. Um, Saint Mary's Indiana I know people are gonna look to fade Saint Mary's and there's gonna be a lot of recency bias toward Indiana and have Indiana going through. Saint Mary's is gonna shrink the game. Um, and they're really good at limiting your best players touches. Um, and and they they have the big yeah. there at St. Mary's. And the one positive is that big has faced other bigs in Gonzaga. So he's had to deal with other good bigs. Now the Indiana guy is a little bit probably more athletic than, than the, the, what the Gonzaga guys can throw at you. But I agree. Like I'm not high on St. Mary's. I mean, they're, a, they're a, a fine basketball team and they have a very good defense. I think they're just a little overseeded to be fair. Like to me, St. Mary's is the type of team that if they were like an 11 or 12 seed, I would be looking to play them in an upset against a, you know, a higher seeded team or like a more power conference team. I don't, this is just one of those teams all year long. It's like, I don't know how good they are. I really don't. I do know that they have a good defense. I just, the indie game might not be the game that they get beat. I, I, that's, that's what concerns me. So I don't, this is one game where I'm not really all that confident on, but I, I, you, I think have St. Mary's going a couple games, right? Yeah. I, I just have St. Mary's just because for me, I'm just so matchup and a little nerdy and analytical that I just think that's mainly how I do this stuff. Um, so that's why I, I just think it's a great matchup for St. Mary's and, you know, when you have a big and you're able to get Justin Davis in foul trouble, Indiana's, offense does struggle a lot um and this has just been i don't know i just feel there's a lot of recency bias toward indiana right now so i i I just like st mary's right here um next game um i said it the other day was it yesterday when we had our btv bracket show i think akron's being ucla i just really think that with these mid-majors a lot of people look at teams that won their conference and won their conference tournament um akron did not win their conference so um, because of that, I think they're getting a little bit overlooked. Uh, they have the defensive player of the year in the Mac. They can play fast. They can slow it down. They can make threes. And in a game that's going to, I think, going to be a little bit of a grind out game, I'll take the better three-point shooting team. I like I like Akron here. And I think UCLA, I think people are just remembering that run to the um, to the final four. So I, I like Akron here to be the the shocker 
that lacks a lot of people's team. Cause every year there's a team that people predict to go far. And this year it seems to be UCLA and they, they, get well, they, they got a great draw yeah. like this, the, the, whoever, anyone in this bracket, cause Baylor isn't Baylor is a, a wounded one seed. Yeah. So it's a, it's a great matchup for UCLA because I think if you like them or not, right? Like I have them going much deeper than you, but this whole top bracket, like St. Mary's is really unproven. We have no clue like how St. Mary's is going to respond to being in this situation, right? <laughs> St. Mary's just getting in the tournament was cool, but now you're a, you're a, a five seed where you're favored. Uh, I mean, you're going to be in a situation where you're supposed to win. And then you're going to be in a situation where you're like, you know, you're a legitimate contender. I, I think that UCLA, I'm kind of on the opposite as you like UCLA last year wasn't very good. UCLA just got in. USC beat the crap out of UCLA late last year over and over. UCLA was one of the last four teams that made the tournament. They almost lost in the first game to Michigan State. And then they went on a run and and were very, very good throughout the tournament. Now, what I like to see about UCLA, about a month ago, I was really concerned about them. I was going to fade them. I, I thought they were going to put together a string of, of bad losses. And they have that the little stretch in their their season where I think it was uh, they lost three of four in early February. Since then, they were eight and two. They actually have some pretty decent wins on their card. They beat Villanova earlier in the year. They beat Marquette. They beat Arizona. They beat USC twice. They return everyone from last year's Final Four. And the, the for me, the key with them is the Juzang ankle. If that ankle is fine. They'll, I think they'll be in good shape because Hawkes has been playing really well. He's a fantastic college basketball player, uh, really good. So they have everybody back from last year. They're a little bit deeper, but I just like the way they're playing recently. Top 15 in offense and defensive efficiency. So you're right in that they don't shoot the three at a great clip, but they do a lot of other things well. And the, the real thing I like about them is that you're going to have to beat them. They're not going to turn the ball over at all. They're, they're, I think, fifth in the country in turnover percentage. So they just – you you better be playing well because they're just not going to beat themselves. I think that's my only concern with Akron in that I feel like one of the like, – I wouldn't mind playing a team to beat UCLA, but if it, I think it would be like if your South Dakota State team popped UCLA, I'd like the matchup there more. I I can understand if maybe you're a little anti-UCLA if you think people are, are jumping on them. I just don't know if I can get there with Akron. I don't know if they're quite good enough in that matchup. I think if I look around at the other 13s, I might have preferred some of the others there. But, yeah, this will be fun. We'll have to have a couple of our uh, our like uh, a beer bets here in some of the spots where we go elsewhere. Because I've got UCLA getting through Akron. I've got UCLA getting through St. Mary's. And then if they do, UCLA is the exact type of team I would look to beat Baylor. Because Baylor is not going to be as deep. UCLA has a lot more depth. They have experience from a team with the team that went last year also. And I think in a, in a game against Baylor, they might be able to have the best player or two on the court, well coached. So give me UCLA moving through St. Mary's moving through Baylor. I've got UCLA heading into the elite eight in the regional final up on this portion. Tell us what you've got to finish off the top part of the East. Um, I have St. Mary's over Akron that sets up a Baylor St. Mary's, um, sweet 16. And I just, I think Scott drew is a great coach and I think them winning it in the fashion that they did last year, just kind of elevated what he can do coaching wise. 
Um, so I have Baylor over St. Mary's. I have Baylor going to the lead eight. Baylor uh, moving into the regional final for Eric as we head down to the bottom of the east here. We take a look at Texas Va Tech in the 6-11 matchup. So I haven't really been uh, the biggest Texas defender all through the year, but I think I'm looking to fade Va Tech a little bit right here. Uh, Texas Tech has a, a really solid defense, the number 13 defensive efficiency. They're not a great three-point shooting team, just under 33%, actually closer to 32%. Um, they're ranked number 240 in that metric. And they lost their last three games, but they were to Baylor, Kansas, and TCU. Um, then on the flip side, you've got this Vaught Tech team that's you know kind of hot, kind of buzzy. I think a lot of people are jumping in on this Vaught Tech team because we saw them recently perform very well. Uh, again, though, I think this is another team that if you if you just checked in in the last week, you probably look up and you think Vatech is really, really good. They won four straight days to win the ACC tournament. They're 13 and two in their last 15. They're the number 18 offense. They're number three in the nation from three point percentage at 39.3%. I just think it runs out here. Um, I'm leaning Texas in this spot, Eric. Um, Purdue, Yale. I wanted to go the opposite way. I got Purdue is a team that I'm looking to fade early. I think it's just a situation where if this was Colgate, hell, if it was even Longwood, probably even Montana State, I would fade. I just wasn't that impressed with Yale overall as a team. Um, so I'm going to go Purdue through that first game. But I've got Texas beating Purdue. Purdue's defense is atrocious. They average 80.7 points per game in the regular season with the seventh in the country. They are third in offensive efficiency. They are 100th in defensive efficiency. And just to give you an idea, Eric, every team since 2002, so in the last 20 years out of those 20, 19 out of 20 teams that have won the national title have been in the top 25 in both adjusted offense and defensive efficiency. The only one team that won it all was UConn that got hot that one year when they got carried. Other than that, every year, if you're not really balanced and towards the top in both, you probably don't have an opportunity. Like we keep talking about how teams that are really weak in one area, good teams and good coaches and good staffs are going to exploit them and you're going to get beat. And it's not like in the NBA where you, you have a series to be able to counter and to react. This is one game. Like you, somebody sniffs you out and has a good game plan for you in the first half and you're in some trouble. You may not even have the time to adjust. Yeah. Um, I mean, you kind of hit in the head with your points about Purdue. I mean, I look at it like they're one of the worst teams in the country in defending the pick and roll, one of the worst teams in the country defending the three. Um, I think because of their size, though, I think they're going to be able to get through Yale. I think Edie and Williams will just be too much. Edie is 7-4. Yeah, he's just <laughs> he's just a monster. <laughs> what do you do to that? Yeah, there's like not, you can't guard him. Much, you there's know? not much you can do there. Um, Texas Vitek. I mean, Texas was up by 20 against TCU and blew it. Um, this team's just kind of they brought in all these transfers, and this was kind of a team where I kind of felt like, hey, you know what? First part of the year, it's gonna take them a little, a little bit, kind of get organized and kind of you know get everything in line. But the second half of the season, they should be able to put it together. They just still haven't put it together. Um, Vatek, I mentioned, like, they were due for positive shooting regression. Well, they've had some huge positive shooting regression. 
Um, I think that regression is going to um, to kind of drop down a little bit. They're going to come kind of come back to the norm. Um, and the one thing I remember from the NBA playoffs and going to a lot of games in Pfizer, and that's where these two games are, tight rims, man, tight rims. So I think Vatet's going to struggle a little bit shooting. I think Texas's size is going to um, kind of be able to piece it together. I think I got Texas going through and, um, you know, beating them, setting up Texas Purdue in the second round. Texas Purdue. And then I've got a, I've got Texas getting through Purdue there, which is really funny. It's funny when, when the way these brackets lock up, because I looked, Texas was a team that I didn't think I would be playing a whole lot, but where their matchup is, I think they could get through Purdue. I really do think it's a good, um, it's not a great matchup for Purdue just because Texas is going to make it a little bit more difficult for them offensively just kind of muck things up a little bit and so i'm gonna go texas getting through purdue there i've got on the below them uh, i've got kentucky over st peter's and then in the murray state san fran seven the seven ten game which i think should be a, a really good game that one was a uh, kind of a tight game i think san francisco opened up as a slight favorite there murray state was a team that was excellent through a, a lot of the year they won 18 straight they shot over 55 percent from inside the three-point line and, uh, and then you go over to San Francisco. That's been a, a conference that's had a really good sort of sneaky good year. They got a couple teams in the tournament. This is the first time that San Francisco's in since 1998. They have a top 20 defense in the country. I'm leaning Murray State as a team who's just good, man. They, figured, they found ways how to win all throughout the year. I think for San Francisco, just kind of being here is a big moment for them. So I'm going Murray State through San Francisco, but I don't think Murray State has enough to get by Kentucky here. So I've got Kentucky moving through to the Sweet 16 to play Texas, and then I've got Kentucky continuing along through um, to the uh, the regional final here. The thing about Kentucky, Eric, um, one of the reasons why I have Kentucky going far in this tournament, they have an upside that I feel might, might be sort of uh, flying under the radar because Kentucky didn't have very many games this year where they had their full complement of players. Only Grady and Shibwe have played in all 30 games this year. And when you dig into some of their losses, they were losses where, oh, he got Wheeler got hurt. Ty Ty got hurt. They both were out. They were not, they didn't have their full group. This is as healthy as they've been. I think it's a great spot for them. Like we said, Kentucky kind of feels like they're the one in this bracket just because of. Baylor struggling lately uh, down Baylor's not great performance in the big 12 tournament. And then Baylor's lack of depth with a, com- a couple of their key players out. I think it's a great spot for Kentucky, honestly, because you and I aren't that high on the three seed down here in Purdue. You and I aren't that high on the six seed down here in Texas. I feel like this quarter bracket for them is great. Heck you're not that high on UCLA. I'm not that high on St. Mary's. This whole bracket feels like it's really, I mean, can t- any team could lose any time, but Great draw for Kentucky as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I mean, you know, they're in a pretty good position. Um, bottom half, this Murray State-San Francisco game. This game's a tough little game. Uh, San Francisco, you know, they turn the ball over a lot. They, they force turnovers. No, sorry. San Francisco turns the ball over and Murray State forces turnovers. But San Francisco shoots the three at such a high percentage that, you know, if you get hot, it can be a little worrisome. Um, I think Murray State does have the advantage, though, in terms of in terms of rebounding. Um, 
Kentucky over St. Peter. St. Peter's does have a big that's going to be able to guard Shibway for a little bit, but I think Kentucky's just got way too much depth, way too much firepower. I have them over Murray State, which should be a fun game for a half. Yeah, it should. I think Murray half, State right? I think you've hit that a few times. I feel like Murray State will play them hard early, yeah. and then just the Shibway, the size, the Shibway stat that I love. Um, Kentucky has rebounded 40% of their missed shots when Shibway's on the court. Yeah, <laughs> that's just nuts. It's, it's yeah. insane. Um, the one thing though, and I said this yesterday, that worries me about Kentucky is Calipari always takes them off the court in the first half if he gets two fouls, and the offense isn't as free flowing with him out when he's out. And we saw that in the game against Tennessee. So that's why that's my one worry with Kentucky is just because if Sheway gets in foul trouble, what's going to happen? Um. I have them going. I have them playing Texas. I love Chris Bird. I think he's an insanely underrated coach. And uh, his story about how he started to get free salsa on his breakfast burrito after he made it to the Final Four is one of the best stories <laughs> in college basketball. Um, and then I Elite Eight, I have Kentucky against Baylor. Uh, Baylor does struggle defending the rim. And Shibway is going to be able to take advantage of that. So I have Kentucky coming out of here. And that's setting up uh, a Kentucky-Gonzaga Final Four for me on this half of the bracket. Yep, we've got the same two moving through there. That would be a really fun powerhouse type of game with uh, the size there, right? Sheway yeah. versus the bigs of uh, of Holmgren and Timmy there. Who, heck, those are, when you talk about bigs, like those are three completely different style bigs. Yeah. Those three guys, the way they play, <laughs> totally different. So that'd be fascinating to see the three of them all lock up. Eric, let's head on over to the South. Let's start up top with Arizona. So they're going to play the winner of the right Bryant game, which will uh, will tip off a little later on this evening. I don't know if either of those teams has the, the firepower to get through Arizona. In the Seton Hall-TCU matchup, I think this is my least favorite matchup in the whole tournament. I just don't like either of these teams all that much. I was probably going to be looking to fade the two of them. Seton Hall, they're not a great three-point shooting team. I just don't like the way they play offensively. It's really inefficient. They play like a lot of one-on-one game. They don't move the ball. There's not a lot of flow. They take low percentage two-point shots. They're a lot easier to defend um, you know, against good teams. TCU, on the flip side, they're three and six in their last nine. They lost three of their last four. They're an awful three-point shooting team, and they're a terrible free-throw shooting team. So they don't shoot threes well. They don't shoot free-throws well. But they're a very good offensive rebounding team. I probably lean Seton Hall here. I just I don't have the strongest opinion in the world. Then shit gets a little crazy for me right below this, Eric. So I have been wanting to try to attack Houston for a lot of this year. And I, I think Houston is very well coached. I, uh, I give a ton of credit to their program and what they've been able to do after last year's final four run, um, you know, getting them back to this point, getting them in a five spot. They haven't beat anybody, man. I mean, they're top 11 in both adjusted offense and defensive efficiency. Their best wins this year, Memphis and Oklahoma state. And they lost twice to Memphis. They beat them the third time. Okay, they looked good beating them the third time. But is that was it like a revenge game? Of course, when Memphis beat you twice earlier on in the year, I, I don't think UA. I don't think Houston's that great. I think in this situation, 
UAB is going to have the best player on the court there. And this is going to be Jordan Walker time. He averages over 20 points per game. He shoots over 40% from three. And the team overall, when he's on the court, shoots over 40% from three. So he makes the guys around him better. I think UAB has a legit shot to win this game. I'm going to play UAB with the the spread. I'm going to play him a little money line. I've got UAB getting through. And I think I'm going to do it. I'm go- I've been wavered back and forth. There's always that one or two spots where you, things get a little crazy. Don't love what I've seen from Illinois recently. They laid an egg last year. Uh, was it last year? Yeah, and, and I, I, it's not – the worry is the, the size, right, with Kofi. Can, can DeSalsa, the Kansas transfer, body him up enough? You were kind of hitting on it with, with Chattanooga, though. Um, I, I, the metrics for them in their, like, two-point defensive, like their field goal percentage and inside the arc, it's just not as good as it should be. That scares me. But I wouldn't – this is another one of those bracket picks for me. I wasn't going to have Illinois, I think, beating Arizona or winning more than one more game after this. So I'm getting crazy, Eric. I'm going uh, UAB, the 12 seed over the 5. I'm going the 13 over the 4 here. So I'm going to have a UAB Chattanooga 12-13, which will lead me to Arizona UAB in the Sweet 16. So I think the 12 seed is going to get through and win two here. Tell us what you have in these uh, in this little quarter bracket. Um, I have – Arizona over whoever. Um, TCU Scene Hall, that's big boy basketball. That's going to be a dog fight. Both teams are really good defensively. Um, I give TCU the edge. I have TCU going through Scene Hall. If they're 100% healthy, I'd like a lot more. But they have some injuries going into this. TCU is going to has the advantage on the, um, on the offensive, um, offensive glass, which is huge for them. And also, Seton Hall's offense is a lot of ISO, and TCU is top 30. I believe they're 29 in defending isolation basketball. So it's just a good matchup for TCU. So I have TCU going through. Um, I've been on Houston. I'm not a big Houston guy. And then they lost their best player. They had another guy go down. They had a guy get hurt in the American, um, American tournament. So with a team that's not that deep, it is worrisome for them going into a tournament because they just don't play a lot of guys. Um, and the key stat for me is on open three-pointers. That means no one's within four feet of them. Teams are only shooting 33%. So you're getting a lot of looks. That's luck. That's not yeah. them doing anything, yeah. right? That's yeah. something that will even out. Like I, That's a great stat to point out because we see things like that sometimes and people go, oh, well, that team is a really good defensive team or they're really good defending the three. No, if you watch the game, they're just missing. Yeah. And that's not going to add up. Like, yeah. that's not going to continue. So because of that, and UAB, you know, 38.4% on the on the year shooting three, I think they're going to be able to knock down some threes. And I just love Jelly Walker, man. I think this kid is great. Um, the one issue for UAB would, would be they do struggle a little bit rebounding, especially against size. So Houston rebounding could be a little bit of an issue, but I, I expect UAB to be able to knock down some threes. Um, in terms of Illinois, Chattanooga, Kofi really struggles when you have a big that takes him out and you do a lot of pick and roll. Loyola Chicago really exposed that last year in that second round game. And that's just not the way Chattanooga plays. Um, so because of that, I have Illinois advancing through. Um, Illinois against UAB, I think is going to be a really interesting game, but because of the size, 
I have Illinois going through to set up a match against a match, a game against Arkansas. Um, but I think against Arizona, you said Arkansas. Oh, sorry. You, you, meant, you meant Arizona. No worries. It was a, it was a um, slip. TCU will punch you in the effing face, man. I mean, this is a this is one of those old school pit teams that Jamie Dixon used to have, where it just there's no real stud, just five guys that compete, get on the ground, and rebound the crap out of it. So I am going to definitely bet on TCU against Arizona. Um, I think Arizona gets through, but I think that game's gonna be a lot closer than people think. Um, look, I, well, in Arizona, I think as much as, uh, the, the Chris stuff, like they may be a, they may be a better team without him. They may, but they may be more of like an open flowing team because they still have some talent, but that might be a game against TCU where he might've been needed or, or they may struggle a little bit without him. Just that extra guy moving the ball around against the tough team, you know, like just another, like ball handler who can get guys involved. So that could be a spot where they miss him a little bit. And if you saw that guy's ankle, I mean, if if he steps foot on the court, that's like malpractice. Yeah. You cannot let that guy come out and play at least his first weekend. There's no way. And it doesn't make, it doesn't make any sense. You cannot do that to him. I I agree with you. I don't think Arizona is kind of becoming like a pretty buzzy team because it feels like they got a great draw too. you know, where, where they are at the top half of their bracket there's nobody all that overwhelming. And even the four or five teams here, we're talking about, you know, we'll get to, we're talking with Illinois. Like I don't think either one of them think we, either one of us think those teams are overwhelming. So that might be a good spot to play a TCU. What's nice about TCU too is they, like you said, they'll fight you. They've played Kansas. They've played Baylor. They've played tech. They've played these tough teams. They've played some good offensive teams too. So it's not, they're not going to be scared looking across the court and seeing a good Arizona team. Yeah. And this is the best analogy I can have for TCU, the way they play basketball. You're in an alley and you're in a street fight. And that's what they're going to do. They're going to constantly like be physical, body you up, make you work. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, God, I'm talking myself into taking TCU right now, man. But, uh, I'll nah, but I don't, I don't, I, and I can understand why the, the, the matchup wise, I just don't know. That, like we said, if this game gets close and TCU can't shoot and can't make free throws, mm-hmm. that's that's where that, I, that, I that's the breaker right there. But yeah, that's where I'm concerned because Arizona I easily see them just ducking up the game though. Hundred percent physical. Game, like, what do you game. think? If like, let's project right here. If if both of these two teams were to win their game, would it be like Arizona minus ten? Uh, I think it would be like I think it would be six or seven. I think because I think it'd be in between like because if it was. Yeah, I'm trying to think where, to give you an example, Arizona was basically like that against USC mm-hmm. this year, right? And trying to think about, like, they would be probably projected pretty similar in the betting lines, I think. So, yeah, I mean, that would be, if it was over, it would be over five, and it would probably be between five and ten. I think it would be a little bit closer to double digits, and and if that was the case, you'd definitely be jumping in if it was, you know, nine, ten, close to that, but... I feel like, again, obviously it, it depends on how these two teams win their first game too, right? TCU looks really yeah. impressive that they'll and who be knows? a little C&O's bit closer. Dudes. Like if CNO is yeah. 100% healthy, I could see them being being TCU. But it's just, it's just hard right now just because we don't know until the day of the game what exactly is going to be happening and who exactly is going to be playing. So 
I'm projecting what I've read so far, and that's a Cian Hall is not healthy. That's why I have TCU going through. Let us get to okay. So and then I have Illinois beating UAB, setting up Illinois and um and Zona Arizona. And that would be a good game and sort of a weird matchup for Arizona. Yeah, because I just here's the thing with Illinois. You look at them and they have the dudes, they have the talent, but there's just I'll use the term a brain fart. I know. know It's like there's something missing. I can't put my finger on it. It's like an an intangible there that you just – I know. They don't get over the hump, you know? Yeah. But I just don't know. When we saw, like, I said it when we did our show on Thursday that Michigan's got Dickerson, Indiana's got Jackson Davis. Those guys will be able to beat – will carry them over a win because of Kofi's defensive efficiency. I just don't know if Arizona's got the inside game to exploit Kofi defensively and will use the pick and roll enough to exploit Kofi defensively. Because of that, I have Illinois beating Arizona in the Sweet 16. Yeah, see, I think matchup-wise, though, I feel like the size could be a problem for him on the flip side, too, right? Like, if they, um, if Kofi's not on the court, they, I, the, shocker here if their best player is not on the court they're not as good right (laughs) so when he's not on the court they're 14 points per game less if he gets in foul trouble or when he comes out for a a quick breather their team completely drops um where i look at arizona is i think with their size with uh you know 611 tabellis with uh coloco seven foot and even uh benedict who's you know, decent size. I think there's a like six, 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 seven kind of slasher guy there. I so I think that might be a little difficult for Kofi trying to defend the multiples of them. And so I'm gonna lean Arizona there in um in a game where I actually, like I said, I I've got I'm picking the the upset early. Of course, if if it were UAB Illinois, I think Illinois would get through there, right? And then in this game, the Illinois Arizona game would be a fun matchup. When you're building your brackets, sometimes you go matchup game everything individually and other times like we're saying it's sort of like a bracket fade like okay is illinois probably the more likely winner than chattanooga sure but this might be a fun spot for me to get an upset when a lot of other people are leaning in a different way when i wouldn't have illinois going that far i build my bracket like that sometimes sort of thinking about how i can win a bracket contest or you know just like the way we gamble eric you know sometimes you want to fade when everyone else is going going one way so uh, I'll look to get a little crazy here in the top half of the South. And then uh, in the Zona, Illinois game, I've got Zona moving through to the regional final in the South. Let's talk about the bottom part of this bracket, Eric. So uh, go ahead and, uh, and talk us through uh, where we're at Colorado State, Michigan, and then down to the Del- uh, Delaware Villanova portion. You know, I really like Colorado State's big man, uh, David Rowdy. He can go down low. He can pull people out from um from from the paint and knock down the three and i really think feel that michigan's bigs dickerson or the freshman david roddy's awesome too he's six six two fifty five um i really think michigan's gonna kind of have a hard time just defending that and what in the action colorado state likes to likes to run and let's face it michigan state has really struggled this year they've been a total jekyll and high team um, they blew, what was it? Indiana had like a 31 to 13 run to beat them um, in the Big Ten tournament. 
point guard play hasn't been up to sniff compared to last year. They're not making their, their three is they've really struggled shooting the ball. I just think this is an end to a disappointing season for the Wolverines. So I have Colorado state going through um, Tennessee and Longwood. Everyone wants to talk about Providence and how quote unquote lucky they've been. Longwood's right up there. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I don't like this Longwood team. I don't like this Tennessee team. Uh, Longwood, if they continue to make their threes, they could compete with anyone. But I think at the end of the day, Tennessee um, defensive wise is just way too elite for them. Um, So I have Tennessee going through uh, setting up a second round matchup against Colorado state. Again, I'll respect Tennessee's defense here. They'll be able to keep Rodney in check. I have Tennessee going through. Um, And then in the seven ten, Ohio state, against Loyola. Loyola's got some experience. They have guys that made it to the Sweet 16. They have guys, uh, the Williams kid was on the team that made it to the Final Four a couple years ago. And Ohio State's just kind of limped to the finish. They finished 10th defensively in the Big Ten. Also, um, Loyola, offensively, they've looked a lot better, more crisp. This was a team I was looking to fade toward the end of the Missouri Valley Conference and was successful doing it. But offensively, they've kind of turned it up. I'll take Loyola here just because I respect their defense and everything and the the experience that they bring to the table. Villanova, Delaware. Um, I'll take Villanova here. Don't get me wrong. I love the Blueheads team. Any any old head basketball guy will remember Jameer Nelson. Jameer Nelson Jr. actually is Delaware's best player. But I think Villanova just has way too much. And the way to exploit Villanova is size. And Delaware just doesn't have the size. That sets up uh, Villanova against Loyola Chicago in the second round for me. Um, With them there, I just really feel like the first one to 50 wins. This is going to be a slow grind. Ugly. Don't watch this game. Don't watch it. (laughs) uh, I think it's going to be – I'll take Villanova here just because I really like the way they use Gillespie in the post. They're posting up their point guard. I really Mm -hmm. like – the action that they run with them. And then another one, when things get tight for them, they're the number one free throw shooting team in the country. They shoot 82% from the, from the free throw line. They're just the type of team when it's close, where you don't really, you know, you don't really worry about them making a whole lot of mistakes. They don't turn the ball over a whole ton, but you're right. It's a size thing for them where if they run into a, a big team, they could be in some serious trouble because they don't like, they don't play anybody on their roster that's over six eight. Yep. And Dixon had an illness during the Big East tournament, only played about 12, 14 minutes a game. So you really that's the big hole with them. And I think that's going to get exploited later on in the tournament. So for me, just kind of going through this uh this portion, um, the Colorado State Michigan game was one of the ones that I had the most difficult uh, difficulty with because Everything you said about Michigan was spot on. And they've been really disappointing this year. They've struggled. They were supposed to be such a better team than they were. I mean, then you think about the the Juwan Howard stuff. The guy got into it. Got into it. He got suspended for five games throughout. Um, they In the last 10 games, they've alternated wins and losses every one. They just can't string anything together. Um, they're still pretty good offensively, uh, number 19 in offensive efficiency. I think in this situation, I probably go one game with Michigan. I, I, maybe it's me where I'm a little 
a little bit cold on Colorado State and their conference this year. They beat Creighton. They beat St. Mary's. They beat the good teams in their conference. Their top. Um, what, what's great about Colorado State is from like an experience and a cohesiveness. Their top four leading scorers are three juniors and a senior that have been at Colorado State all along their whole career, not transfers or anything. So they've been with this, with this program. I don't love a couple of their losses. They got beat by 30 to San Diego state. They got beat by 20 to UNLV down the stretch. I'm not really high on Michigan, but I do think Dickinson can help them enough to get through the first round. Then Michigan runs into Tennessee. I actually like the spot for Tennessee. I, I, I think I was with you. Tennessee was a team that I initially wasn't coming into the tournament thinking I was going to have going all that far, but I look at where they're matched up. Um, I think you may have Colorado state in this. Uh, we'll talk in a second, but I, if, if it were Tennessee, Michigan, I think that'd be a nice spot for, you know, Tennessee to get right through there to set up a Tennessee Villanova matchup. I have Villanova getting through Delaware. I have Loyola getting through Ohio state. Like you said, I just haven't been all that impressed with Ohio state down the stretch. This is a team that's the number 13 offense. They're 131 in defensive efficiency. They are not good defensively at all. And uh, Loyola is a team that's just pretty well coached. Sister Jeans here. They're back uh, in the tournament. They were in the final four in 2018. Loyola is the number seven shooting team in the country. And it's not necessarily like a team that's either really good from three or really good inside the arc. They're just good shooting team, period. They're ranked 16th in three-point percentage at 38%. They're ranked 15th in two-point percentage, and they're number 22 overall in defensive efficiency. Uh, I'm going Loyola with the good offense. It's a bad matchup for Ohio State with their bad defense. I'm leaning Loyola there. Uh, so I've got Loyola, Villanova. I've got Villanova moving through there, setting up a Tennessee-Villanova matchup. And this is the game where I'm, uh, I'm going to go Tennessee instead of Villanova. I think the defense of Tennessee, both of these teams, you talked about, you know, defensively what we can expect from them. And I think this may be uh, where it's not as if Tennessee is huge, but I I do think they might have a little bit too much here for Villanova. So I'm going to go Tennessee, um, Eric, moving through, Um, you know, you have a couple uh, Fulkerson, maybe we get, um, Namakua. Um, there's another big that's like a seven footer that gets a, a little bit of run there. There's another guy that's six eleven that gets some opportunity. I think Tennessee just has enough size, a couple different options to throw at Villanova there to make things tough. So I'm gonna have Tennessee getting through, and I've got Tennessee hooking up with Arizona in the South final in a rematch from earlier on in the year when Tennessee actually beat Arizona at Tennessee in what was a really good game and a game that Arizona kind of got screwed by some pretty poor officiating late in that game. So I, I've got Arizona, Tennessee in the South final talk us uh, through, I, I think you got through some of it, but not through this bottom part. Uh, yeah, I have um, Tennessee against Villanova, but uh, at the end of the day, I got two words, Rick Barnes. Um, I just don't trust this guy. This guy historically year after year after year has had talent and in March and in critical situations, he just hasn't lived up to it. And I think Jay Wright, I'll respect Wright has won a couple national championships. Um, and you look at how he has his program built. I think this, I think he'll, he'll Jay Wright alone will cut, will lead Villanova over Tennessee that sets up um, Villanova against 
Illinois in my elite eight. And I'm not the biggest Illinois guy, but to me, it's all matchup bases. And this is going to be the matchup where Villanova inside is going to be exploited. And I have actually have Illinois making it to the final four. Yeah, if they were to get there, I would absolutely, in, in that type of a game, I would pick Illinois over because they just wouldn't be able to do anything for uh, for Kofi. I, I'm not quite as high on Nova. Like, they're good. They're battle-tested. And I, I agree with you with Barnes. I don't know if he could win the whole thing. It, it just It's funny because when you have coaches or players like that that you're not, you don't believe in winning at all, I still think a lot of times they can get to a point is is this the point they can get to because Jay Wright is very good is Villanova good or are they still sort of living off of the Jay Wright Villanova we're kind of here every year I don't know I know that they do have a very good Gillespie and a couple really really solid players there so I'm not yeah I just I didn't know what to think about Villanova this year honestly and maybe it's still that UCLA game from early on in the year where I was eh okay they're they're fine um, and you know, a couple of their games against Creighton and down the stretch against UConn, I thought, eh, okay, like they're tough. They're tough. Like you're not going to get play a Villanova game and come out of there easy. You're going to be banged up. You're going to be bruised. It was like, you were talking about with the TCU stuff, like a, a Villanova Tennessee game is another one of those rock fight games Yeah, where those two teams are just going to be punching each other in the mouth repeatedly, repeatedly, repeatedly. So I've got Zona getting through Tennessee here and Arizona, uh, winning the South moving through to the final four. Eric's got Illinois there, and that's sort of the game that will uh, be important in both of our brackets where uh, Eric's got the Illinois moving through. I've actually got Illinois losing, probably losing right off the bat in the first round, but that's what's fun uh, about these uh, these brackets. Difference of opinions as uh, if – and what's funny, Eric, is that, like I said, once Illinois, if they were to beat Chattanooga and then run into – Houston or UAB, I don't think that would be a bad matchup. I don't know with Arizona with the size, but then if Illinois got through them, I really would love their matchup against probably either Tennessee or Villanova. So again, it really does all come down to the matchups, right? It's not as easy as just moving somebody in three rounds ahead. I think you always have to look at, okay, if I have this team winning and then I have this team winning, how are these two teams going to match up? You can't yep. get too too much ahead of yourself. No. No, not at all. And it's just, it just comes down to matchups. But that's what makes it fun because there's like one, one little turn. And, and then everything's different, right? It's like the build, it's like the uh, create your own story, create yeah. your own adventure, right? Yeah. You know, you, you pick, you go down this road, you make a left turn. And then all of a sudden, instead of Illinois, Arizona, we got UAB in the mix. And then that changes the way that, that you sort of, you handicap those games. So yes. that's the South. We head down to the Midwest as uh, we take a look at Kansas. In Texas Southern, got the job done last night. So that's the 116 spot. I've got Kansas moving through there, San Diego State and Creighton. I think Creighton, with uh, some of their injuries, it's just going to end up being a little bit too much for them. I don't know at this point offensively if they have enough. Um, I think without Nemhard around, they're just going to have a tough time scoring. They have a great defense, top 20. I think they're 18th in deficient, uh, defensive efficiency. But I'm looking at this San Diego State team. Uh, this is a team that I've watched a lot throughout the year. I watch a lot of San Diego State being out here on the West Coast. Uh, they're on they're on a, a decent amount, and you can find a lot of their games, and they end up playing a lot of sort of West Coast teams. They played USC earlier in the year, and USC beat them, but San Diego State was favored in that game. Um, they're, they're a good basketball team. They have the number two defense in the country, only behind Texas Tech. They are bad 
two-point shooting team, though. 46% from inside the three-point arc, but they're in really good form right now, Eric. They're 11-2 and in their last 13, and both of those losses came to Boise, which tells me that you know maybe that was a team that just has a number. It's a bad matchup for them, but they're well-coached. They sort of show up in the tournament every year and always feel like they win a game or two or play really competitive uh, basketball. So I like San Diego State getting through here, and then I'm going to do it again. I'm going to have back-to-back brackets where I get a little bit nuts. So I'm going to pick against Iowa. And this is a, another just a, a fading the, the, the sexy hot team right now. I think a lot of people saw Iowa win the Big Ten last week. I think a lot of people are going to want to jump on Iowa because they're a, a good scoring team. They're a good offensive team. They may have one of the best players in the country, and they probably have the best player on the court most nights they're playing in Keegan Murray. But their defense is bad. The Iowa defense is really bad. And it's the template of a defense that's going to get beat early on in the tournament. They are the number two offense in the country, the number 77 defense in the country. And Eric, I have a tough time. They were able to string three wins together recently and look good doing it in the tournament. Now, when you dig into some of those games, I don't want to use the word luck, which we were, were just sort of talking about, but that ball very easily could have bounced a different way for this Iowa team. They won a game in the Big Ten Conference Tournament against Indiana by three, where, I mean, they very easily could have lost that game. The game against Rutgers sort of flipped, and it ended up looking you know, a little bit more dominant than it was. The Purdue game was pretty close, and then that thing sort of flipped late. So I don't know, you know, in looking at them, if people are going to, really want to roll and, and and they're sort of that high like sexy team everybody just saw them win sort of like Virginia Tech I, I'm worried if they can't shoot great for one game can their defense do enough and you uh, were talking a lot about this Richmond team throughout the year you played Richmond to win their conference tournament I like this story quite a bit with Richmond um, they returned a bunch of their players from last year just for this opportunity Eric they are one of the oldest teams in the country. They have a bunch of fifth and sixth year seniors there. And the story that I wanted to mention, which is really, really cool. There's a player on their team named Grant Golden, and he's a sixth year senior back in 2016, 2017, he collapsed on the court and he underwent heart procedure. They gave him a medical red shirt and he's played four years. And now he gets to go to the NCAA tournament for the first time which is a really cool story. And so they're not going to be scared. They've won four in a row just to get here. They've won, they have seven seniors in their 11-man rotation. Their top six rotation guys, five of them are seniors. So this team is going to be excited, and they're going to be ready to be here. They're going to be ready to play. I don't think they're going to be overwhelmed by Iowa. I'm going with the Spideys, Richmond Spiders. And then in the opposite game, uh, right below them, this is a, a team that you've been talking about for a while, Eric. I'll let you... Uh, praise them a little bit more South Dakota state for me, I was probably going to fade. I was probably going to play almost any team that Providence showed up and play. Providence is the number one ranked team based on luck metrics. They have no stars, five players averaging double digits. So that concerns me in a game or in situations where are they going to have the best player on the court when things get slow, who goes and gets a bucket for them? They've been in a lot of close games. The ball bounced their way a lot of times, but even in conference, they had three games on their conference schedule that were canceled. 
All three of those games were games that they could have lost. Two of them were on the road. Another one would have been a tough home game. I think they're just overvalued. I think they're they're overseeded. I'm going 12 Richmond over Iowa. I'm going 13 South Dakota State over Providence. Eric, South Dakota State is a pretty decent three-point shooting team, right? <laughs> decent is an understatement. They are, <laughs> they are by far the best three-point shooting team in the land. Um, they have a guy that is going to get a look in the NBA, maybe be a 10th, 12th man in the NBA. Um, he'll get some, he'll definitely get some run in the G league. Um, this is the thing. This is one of the smallest spreads in a four thirteen matchup ever. I got it. I op- when it opened at three, I got it. Um, I have certain people in my life that only talk to me during NFL playoffs, fantasy football drafts, and March Madness. That was the only time I hear from them. And I've gotten four messages saying, who should I pick? The only thing I know for sure is San Diego State's beating Providence. And that's like, you know what I mean? Like, when you got people that really don't... No, it worries me because this is, it's a sexy pick. It's so, like, trendy for a dog. Everyone's jumping on this team. That, that, That does make me nervous. I agree. So, but you know what? I got to stay to my guns. I've said it for a while. This is my team. So I'm going with the Jackrabbits. Uh, I have them going through. I have them beating Providence. Don't get me wrong. I love Providence. I love Ed Cooley. Ed Cooley is one of the most underrated coaches in America. And his thing he always tells his players, he goes, if you're within five and you get me to the under four media timeout, I will win you the game. And that's the type of coach as a basketball player I would love to play for. I think this guy's insanely underrated, but I'll take the Jackrabbits here. I think I think they just have too much, too much offense. They average 86.7 points per game, which is second in the country only to Gonzaga. They scored 90 or more points seven times during conference play. They are number one in the nation in field goal percentage and number one in three-point percentage. That's nuts, Eric, because normally when you shoot that many threes and you shoot that high of a clip from three, your field goal percentage isn't going to be great. Yeah. Because you're just shooting so many threes that you're not shooting as many twos. You're not shooting as many high percentage shots. You're not going to have the best field goal percentage in the country. That's nuts. 21 straight wins for them. South Dakota State. They're going to be a live dog and for many. The I thing, got them winning two games. And the thing with them that's different than Vermont is they did have a couple dog fights. And they were pushed a little bit in the Summit Conference where they had to compete in the clutch situation, which is the last five of the game. So yeah, I got South Dakota state here. Um, Iowa Richmond. Look, I love the spiders. They won me a lot of money last weekend, but the thing is this during the regular season, this team was an absolute train wreck defensively during the a 10 tournament. They turned it on defensively. They looked a lot better limiting teams to, I believe like 61, 62 points per game. Um, My thing with Iowa is this, I love the Murray kid. You know, I, 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 I totally love him. He's definitely going to be someone on the next level. I think they just have too much offensively. And the thing with Iowa is their coach, Fran, Fran McCaffrey, he's never made it out of the first weekend. As crazy as it sounds and with how good they've been, he has never made it out of the first weekend. Um, I, t- I just have Iowa advancing just because the way you exploit Iowa is you have to be able to defend the three and you have a cop, a big and Richmond doesn't have that. Um, so I have Iowa against San Diego state. 
This game is a completely 180 from the Loyola-Chicago-Villanova game. This game is probably first one to 100 wins. These two teams are going to be going up and down, like shooting threes all over the place. Uh, I really want to take San Diego State, but I really feel they're going to be too trendy of a pick. Because of that, I will take Iowa. And that, and then um, San Diego State-Creighton, I mean, Nemhard not being there is going to be the weakness. That's why they're going to lose to San Diego State. Uh, Kansas over Texas Southern. Kansas, just too much pace, too many bigs. Two. Agbaji came back for this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Right. Could have yeah. gone, gone last year. He came back because he wanted to, to take them deep. And it's a good draw for them. It really is. Yeah. So I, I like them there. Um, and now this is the Sweet 16 for me. Excuse me. Can't. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just got a text message that said the Lions may trade for Baker Mayfield. So I'm a little bit off my off my keister right now. So oh, that's funny. That's funny. I'm, I'm sorry. That, that seems bizarre. <laughs> That's bizarre, but uh, that next really, message really just threw me off. So I'm sorry. Um, no. uh, this is the matchup where Kansas has the three point shooting, um, has the bigs, can defend the three, and plays at the same pace as Iowa. I think this is when Iowa's defensive flaws are going to show. I have Kansas beating Iowa. Yeah, so that's Kansas coming out of the top part of the where are we at. The yeah, I got Kansas. Same thing. I have a Kansas beating uh, South Dakota State. So I've got. In two brackets, I've got the 12-13, um, and I've got South Dakota State getting through against Richmond. So I've got Kansas beating South Dakota State, Kansas into the regional final there in the Midwest as we get to the bottom part of the final region. Thanks, everyone, for hanging out with us here as we finish up the bracket. Good luck to everyone as you're uh, building your bracket, you're putting your brackets in, you're getting any kind of action that you have on uh, on March Madness. So from here down, that 6-11 matchup, uh, the one thing I, I thought was so funny about this bracket, Eric, was, man, there are so many teams on on this in the Midwest that I wanted to fade throughout the year. Uh, just the way that I play, I was always going to fade Iowa after that Big Ten, tw- uh, Big Ten championship win because I just think they're a little bit overvalued and overhyped right now off of that. Uh, I was always going to fade Providence. Because I just watching their games, watching the way that their season was built, knowing that they could have had a couple more losses and that they're overseeded, I was always going to fade them within a game or two based on their matchup. Iowa State has looked miserable down the stretch. I, I can't, I don't want to play them. LSU just fired their coach. We have no idea what they're thinking in their locker room. Wisconsin, their best player is hurt, and they are another one of those teams that we talk about the luck metrics. And you were right when you mentioned uh, Longwood in that. Longwood is number 21 in luck and metrics, positive luck. Providence is number one, and Wisconsin is number eight. The ball just bounced their way so many times in so many close games this year. That's the kind of thing that's it's not you're not able to sustain that throughout a year. It's just not always going to bounce your way. And if it's not bouncing your way and your best player is also banged up a little bit, I'm concerned about them. So it's funny, this whole area. And then Auburn, I do not like Auburn at all. Auburn, I've been very, I think they're very phony. I think they're a very good home team. They do have one of the best players in the country, maybe the best. Other than that, I think they can stagnate a little bit. I I, I like Bruce Pearl as a recruiter and someone to get the guys there. I think he's a 
he's an absolute joke, honestly, a lot of the time. And he's a bad dude. Like we just kind of give this guy a free pass for all the shady crap that he's done through the years. And we laugh because he's got a good personality. He's out there smiling. He's done some shady, shady stuff. So, uh, Eric, um, I am going to get LSU through Iowa State. This was one of the harder games for me to decide, just like I said, because I I didn't want to play either one of these two teams. But I'm going to go with like the angle that you and I would normally go with when a football coach gets fired. I'm going to say that LSU gets the bump and that their players look around and go, hey, let's rally the troops here. I don't know if LSU can win two weekends, but I think they can win two games here. Um, Iowa State's offense it was so bad late that I just I couldn't get them. Um, I think you're on the Iowa State side, and you can talk about them in a minute. I mean, Iowa State's defense, though, is very good. So if, if LSU comes into this game and without their coach, and if, if they're feeling weird about that and they're not prepared, Iowa State will beat them because they won't be able to score on Iowa State. Then in the following game, I know a lot of people want to go Colgate over Wisconsin. I don't think I can quite get there with Colgate, um, but I will have Wisconsin losing in the next game to LSU because I think LSU at least has the athletes that can beat Wisconsin. Um, with Scani, they lost their last two games. They're, you know, I mentioned the, the luck rankings. They're not great with Ken Palm either, 34, the health of Johnny Davis. What's nice is they don't turn the ball over very much. They're number two in the nation in turnover percentage, so they're not going to really hurt themselves a whole ton. And, uh, you know, for, for Colgate, they are number two in the country in three-point percentage. They won 15 in a row. And one of those games that they won, uh, Eric, was by five points. Every other game was by more than that. They've scored 100 points in a game earlier in this year in a win against Syracuse. So they've beat quality and scored a lot of points in doing so. And there are only two teams in the whole country that shoot over 40% from three. They're both in this bracket. They're the number 13 and 14 seeds in this bracket, South Dakota State and Colgate. I'm going to get, I'm going to have Wisconsin winning there, losing to LSU. And then on the bottom, I'm a Trojan. I think the size of USC is just going to be a little bit too much for Miami. It's a fantastic matchup from opposites, right? Miami's got better guard play and better perimeter play than USC. USC's defense is a lot better, and USC is going to have a lot more bigs and wing-type players than Miami will. So a very contrast of styles there. Mainly, like I'm a, a USC fan. I don't think my team is the best team in the country or anything. I think in particular matchups, they could be good. I was not high on the ACC at all this year. I don't think the ACC was very good through a lot of this year. And I don't think Duke as the leading team in the ACC was great. I'm going USC over Miami, Auburn over Jacksonville state down there, Eric. And like I said, as a USC fan of the twos, I didn't want to run into Kentucky. Uh, I didn't want to run into Villanova as much. Although the size of USC might've been an interesting matchup against Villanova because they're kind of small and USC is a lot longer. So they may have made a, like had us had some trouble there. I don't like Auburn that much. Uh, Smith is going to be the best player on the court. I think we got a couple guys that we can at least throw at him. You know, you can throw uh, Chavez Goodwin at him a little bit. You can throw Mobley at him a little bit. Guarding wise, Peterson's not going to be able to athletically keep up with him, but he's sort of long enough to be another body. Max Agmon Polo, another one. So I'm a fan. We're fans. You and I are gamblers. We're not homers. But in a situation like this, you know, we're not going to always bet our teams. We're not going to go lay our teams as big, big spreads. But if I've got my team in a close situation, I'm going to lean with my team. If I've got a matchup where I think that it's close, give me the Trojans here. And I actually think the Trojans, again, looking at the matchup, 
I don't think Wisconsin's that scary. If if USC got through Auburn, LSU, Iowa State, Wisconsin are not teams that would terrify me. I do not think USC would be able to get through Kansas, especially because last year USC beat the shit out of Kansas in the in the NCAA tournament. I think if they faced each other again, Kansas would really have a chip on their shoulder to want to beat them. So USC is a one and a half point favorite. They could lose the first game, Eric, but I'm going to have them winning a couple games. I have them getting through on the bottom to run into Kansas. I have Kansas ending up uh, getting out of the Midwest, but uh, tell us why you're going to be against my fighting on Trojans here towards the bottom and, uh, and go through the bottom part of this Midwest. See, here's the thing. That game to me is another hard game. I've been going back and forth. Like um, the, the Miami USC game. Yeah. That's yeah, it, it is. It, and it should, it's like, it's a total and pick them kind of game, right? This the stat of the tournament is Andy Enfield 15 and one against the spread in the tournament, which is nuts. And I think he's seven and one in their last four tournaments. I mean, the only game he didn't cover is when they just got boat raced last year against Gonzaga. And they were just not good enough. Yeah. Yeah. That was the only game. Um, You know, on the BTV show, I said Miami last night, I changed it to USC. So I'll stick with that. Nice. There we go. Fine. Um, but and let's let's give like i've talked some positives for usc right but let's say some of the negatives for usc if this claim is that if this game is close down the stretch usc is one of the worst free throw shooting teams in the country that's a major concern now it's good win a lot of the times and then sometimes you'll wonder because it always concerns me eric and uh, we're finishing up here i know we both uh, are going to be out of got to get out of here in the next like five minutes or so but it always worries me that like i look at players and i wonder like, how are you a bad free throw shooter? Like, you know, some yeah. players, like, for example, a guy like I look at, like Kyle Kuzma, he he's not nearly as good of a free throw shooter as he should be. And you wonder why. Yeah. It's like, why? Why? Like, Mobley, Mobley shouldn't be a bad, USC shouldn't be bad free throw shooting team when Mobley, Boogie Ellis, and Drew Peterson are the three guys that have the ball in their hands the most. Like, why Why should any of those three guys be be below average free throw shooters. It doesn't make sense, but then they, but then they are, it, it's a mental thing, right? When you get to the free throw line, it's just you and everybody else and the game slows down. Um, so that, that could be a weakness for them, but tell us who do you have getting out of this bottom part, kind of fill the rest of your bracket out. Um, you know, it, it pisses me off because I had all these teams I wanted to fade, but when it comes down to the matchup, I just can't fade them in the matchup. That, that's the key, um, right? That's the yeah. key is that we got to be careful. Like I said, you don't want to just fade right. to fade. You got to yeah. make sure there's a, that it makes sense in how you're handicapping that game. And I really feel in order to be, because Auburn does foul at an insane clip. You have to be able to make three throws. Mm-hmm. And that is why I have Auburn beating USC at the bottom. Sure. No, and it makes sense. That absolutely makes sense. That's not something that USC does well. If they do, some of those games that they did, one game yeah. they should have lost against Oregon State, they shot, I think, 18 for 22 from the free throw line. That's why USC didn't lose that game. Yeah. Um, LSU, Iowa State, I have a different take on it. Um, my, my thinking is this. This LSU team is going to be going on probation um, they're not going to be having any more tournament stuff going on after this whole Will Wade debacle. I really think that the kids on this team are more worried about where they're transferring next to next year instead of this year. Hey, let's a great point. Run. Um, I know people will mention the Steve Fisher stuff when Steve Fisher came in from Michigan. The difference is that Michigan team had six dudes that had a cup at minimum a cup of tea in the NBA 
and three dudes that had over six years in the NBA. So you know what I mean? That was a deep team that had dudes. This LSU team doesn't have dudes. Um, Iowa State, great defensive team. And these games are at Pfizer. They're up in Milwaukee, tight rims. I think LSU is going to struggle defensively. And I said it, anytime LSU lays points, I'm fading. I got Iowa State here. Uh, Wisconsin against Colgate, I'm, you know, this is in Milwaukee in prime time. Do you know how live that crowd's going to be? I know. Be That's the thing is that even I mean, if the mat, no matter what, they're going to be nuts. Is going to be rocking. Um, one of the best atmospheres I was ever at as a sports fan was um, when they uh, Wisconsin played Oregon the year before Wisconsin lost in the national championship game up at the old Bradley Center. Place was absolutely rocking. Uh, I have Wisconsin going through. Wisconsin gets Iowa State again. Pfizer, I'm not going to outthink it. That's going to be like a, in fact, a home game for Wisconsin. I have Wisconsin going through, and then it's Wisconsin against Auburn. And I just feel that Auburn is just too big athletically. No, just too big. It just has way too many athletes. Uh, I have Auburn beating Wisconsin. That's setting up a Kansas Auburn um, for the in the Elite Eight. Uh, I just value Kansas too much. And I think they have a yeah. huge coaching advantage with Bill Self. I'm not the biggest Bruce Pearl guy. The fact I have them going to the Elite Eight pisses me the F off <laughs> more than anyone will ever realize. Well, because no, they got a great draw, though. You know, like yeah. that's why I think USC's got a shot because that draw down there, I don't love any of those teams all that much. So Auburn by default can maybe just back their way into the Sweet 16 Elite Eight. Yep. And then I have Kansas beating Auburn. Uh, so my final four teams are Illinois against Kansas and Gonzaga against Kentucky. I got Zaga, Kentucky, and Zona, Kansas. I'm a little chalkier than I would like to be in the final four, but I do have a lot of upsets kind of getting through the first round and then into the Sweet 16. So I've got Zona, Kansas with Zona getting through, and I've got Zaga, Kentucky with Kentucky getting through. My final, Eric, is Kentucky, Arizona, and uh, in the national championship, I've got Kentucky and Shibwe. I mentioned I just think they're upside um, you know, they shot really well, 37% from three in conference play. Um, they're going to have everybody healthy. I think they have a ceiling. They're well-balanced. They've got size. They've got speed. They've got perimeter. They've got coaching. They've been here. Uh, give me Kentucky winning it all over Arizona. And a shout-out to Arizona, led by former Gonzaga assistant coach Tommy Lloyd. Man, whether or not you, you or me or anyone likes Arizona in this spot, this was a fantastic job this guy's done this year, Eric. He took over a team that was right in the middle of a, a FBI investigation. They had all that crap last year. It, it, Sean Miller left. They were they were on probation. They weren't eligible. That's a lot going on. And he got this team focused. And they've played like a top top team all year long. They got to prove it now. But um, you know, compliments to him for getting them to this point and getting them a number one seed. Yeah, they've completely overachieved. Uh, for me, um, you know, I got Kansas over Illinois. I just feel like with their size, their pace, how they shoot the three, how they defend is just going to be way too much for this Illinois team. So I have them advancing. Uh, when we did the show yesterday on BTV, I had Kentucky over Gonzaga. Um, you know, I referenced this gentleman a lot. My boy, Brad, who taught me everything I know him and I had our discussion last night. And he's kind of talking into Gonzaga here. 
Um, he his point, and I mentioned it yesterday when uh, we were doing our BTV thing. Just the whole thing with Kalapari, how when Shibway gets in foul trouble, and he's done this with every big or every player he's had in the past. As soon as they get two fouls, he takes them out of the game. Um, that's just what he does. And I really feel with the size of Timmy and Chet Holgroom is going to be too much for Kentucky in the interior. And when Shibway, if he does get into foul trouble, the offense is going to struggle. So I actually have Gonzaga right now. Because it would be hard for him just – those are like we said, those are different bigs, right? Yeah. So he's got to try to guard different bigs, kind of get pulled out to the three-point line. Like if he's able to bang them down low – I don't think those guys could deal with him, right? But if they yeah. pull him out and they make him guard defend, like he has to, you know, they make him work, right? They yeah. tire him out, stretch him out, and then he foul, he picks up a foul or two, and then he's out. Like that's the template to beat them. You're right. Yeah. Right. So I think Gonzaga is going to win. That sets up Gonzaga against Kansas, and um, I think this is the year Few gets the hump off his back. I think this is the year that Few wins it. I have Gonzaga eighty to seventy four over Kansas in the final. Eric, buddy, uh, over the last two days, you and I have talked about these uh, brackets, uh, I think two hours yesterday, about two hours today. Uh, we did the preview for the play-in games. We spent about five hours talking about these brackets. We did a selection Sunday reaction. Uh, are you sick of my voice yet uh, talking about these things? Nah, man, not at all. Maybe, <laughs> maybe uh, you know, maybe. Maybe, maybe, by maybe after Sunday, Sunday after we've been Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday shows for cutting nets every one of those mornings. Maybe at that point, you'll be like, but, Gino, but can like, I get a right, day, right right a day now, off? Right, Give right me a day off. Good. I was right going to say, I, I still love you too, brother. So thank you so much for all the time, my man. I know we both got places to go and things to do. So um, good luck. And uh, for everyone out there paying attention, we will be live Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern time for cutting nets. Those shows will be a little bit more point spread based. We'll talk about the lines in all of the games each day. So we'll also talk about who we have moving on in our brackets, but we'll talk about them more from a betting standpoint than we have in these games where we're just kind of projecting and uh, moving everybody forward through. So thank you so much, buddy. Hope everything's going well with your pops and your family out there and uh, look forward to talking to you tomorrow. All right. Thanks, man. Talk soon. Don't go anywhere, folks. Uh, it's March Madness. We're going to hear from uh, from someone else next, and we're going to talk some best bets with Jack Fitzpatrick. Always excellent information from Eric. He'll be with us Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern time right there on social media for cutting nets to go through the entire college basketball slate for each of those days. Now we head on over and talk to our buddy Jack Fitzpatrick from DRF Sports. Jack's going to tell us his final four. He's going to share a couple of his best bets for the tournament. Jack Fitzpatrick from DRF Sports. Oh, I'm, I'm sure this next guest is really excited right now because the last time we checked in with Jack was sort of the beginning of the college basketball season. And Jack Fitzpatrick from DRF Sports is a big college sports fan, uh, loves to play, uh, even not even necessarily all the power conferences, the mid-majors, sometimes the smaller schools. That's where he he really uh, butters his bread. And so I'm sure the tournament is something that you absolutely love, Jack. Thanks for hanging out with us again today. Let's talk a little bracket. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing on this, uh, what, Wednesday morning, first four, yeah. day two? We're yeah. 24 hours, a little over 24 hours away from March Madness officially getting kicked off. Oh, man, it's exciting. It's fun. I feel good about, like, pretty much most of the work has been done. You know, there'll be some adjustments maybe after we see some things happen um, in, you know, in the tournament and maybe how I'm going to approach some games later on. But for, for right now, 
pretty much all set with the bracket And now we can kind of take a deep breath And uh, watch those play-in games later I tried to make sure my schedule as far as tomorrow I don't have a whole lot to do So tomorrow I can really kick back and watch And then after Friday, Saturday, Sunday I'll have more stuff to do But this this first day, really, that that Thursday every year To me, I don't know if there's another day in sports that rivals this And I'm not even, if I were to rank the sports of you know my interest College basketball I like But it probably would be third or fourth For me personally you know behind maybe uh, Pro basketball Pro football baseball stuff and then then College basketball would be here but it's still for me Might be the single best day Because the the volume of the games The games that start early And they go all day and the importance Of them you're one and done here These aren't series these aren't oh, well, You know they got a chance to, to come back And even things out this is you don't show up you're done. Yeah. I think the only day in the sports calendar that can rival this Thursday is probably the following Friday. Um, <laughs> just right. for the because you, you the, the nail on the day. head. Yeah. yeah. It's the pure, just the amount of sports coming at you. And not even that, the fact that it's one and done, the fact that half of these teams you've never heard of, like, that's what makes it fantastic. You haven't heard of 90% of the kids playing in this tournament. And you're two of them are going to be household names by the end of it. It's just it, it's something so unique to American sports culture that makes it so fantastic. It is because normally we would roll our eyes and not care about watching a lot of these teams and games, but we don't. Most people aren't watching a lot of these games throughout the year. They're not on major networks. You got to kind of look to find some of the games. But right now, everybody fills out a bracket. Yep. Even people that never watch college sports throughout the whole year, they fill out their bracket, they make their picks, they're talking at the office with someone, they're in their office pools, <laughs> and everyone's got like a little, everyone's got a take, everyone's got an opinion, you know, and people who haven't watched one game, like you said, they're telling you why UConn's going to beat Vermont, and they don't know one player on UConn or Vermont, and that's what's so beautiful, really, about this. Everybody gets into it for a little bit, for the these first couple days in particular, this first weekend, and... uh Jack, I'd imagine you guys just in, in following along. So I'm subscribed to the podcast. I'm always reading in on some of the newsletters and stuff. But you have had you have a few different shows over there now at DRF Sports. You guys have a ton of content. Tell us a little bit about some of the stuff that you have if we need a little bit of extra help when we're filling out our brackets. Yeah, so we're building out some really extensive content things happening over at DRF, but the main stuff, you got the DRF Sports Podcast, you have the DRF College Sports Podcast, which you know, not to toot any horns or anything, but Ben and I, my co-host on the College Sports Podcast, had like a uh, 57% hit rate um, throughout the year with a lot of money line dogs we would pick yeah. on the podcast. So we we're very proud of that. But throughout this, just constant podcast going on over there. Um, and then we also brought on a new writer named Corey Gee, who's been pumping out some fantastic stuff, wrote a lot of conference tournament previews, got a couple of them right, picking out a who was going to win. I think he was about 500 on picking conference tournament winners. Um, and now he's he's pumping out previews for games in each region, and he's going to – he'll keep pumping it out. I'll keep pumping it out. So betting previews, all the sports data you need, the exclusive insights, all at drf.com slash sports. Yeah, that's a must-subscribe. And this is like when you're later on tonight – you're filling out your brackets. That's the that's great background noise stuff. You put it on while you got your bracket, while you're doing your work, while you're you know doing your homework. And 
the the key what I love with listening to all uh, everyone's information be, um with when it comes March Madness time is it's always for stuff you know we all might know some of the same things stats info about a lot of the key teams it's I love listening to someone that's going to lead me somewhere that I haven't been right like I'm going to hear things from you and your co-host and from the different people at DRF Sports that you might not have heard somewhere else and that might be something that wants to lead you in that direction so that's that's what I love and that's I think at this point of the year it can be dangerous right there's so much information out there hell everybody's yeah. got filling out brackets everybody's giving out stuff but it's just it's always about how you take the information how do you interpret it how do you absorb it how do you how do you use it right yeah exactly and each one of us brings a different way of betting game so i'm a big trends guy i like to see how they fared in spots like this i'll I'll use drf's trends their betting angles i'll really rely on things like that where Corey, when he's writing he's more of a stats guy he'll look at stats how do they how do they stack up matt who does our drf sports podcast he's a big numbers guy he has his own you know his own formula where he puts it in he has his rankings and he spits out a number and he'll he'll create it and that's how he bets and sheldon's a guy who just Knows the game of basketball. A little bit of everything, a little bit of narrative, right? Like a little bit of like, but the numbers, he kind of combines it all. Yeah, exactly. You know, and that's what's great is that we all have different ways that we, we break these games down, that we look at each matchup that we've, you know, we've, we've interpreted the bracket. And so we're here now, Jack, and we, uh, we had the bracket drawn on Sunday. We've had a few days to look at it. We saw the Tuesday night playing games now and, um, Wanted to uh, to ask you for uh, you know maybe a couple upsets that you have a couple outside the box uh, matchups and then take us to your final four and some of the teams that you have making a making a long run in this tournament. So maybe give us uh, a couple if you have a a few double digit seeds or any anyone that are maybe upsets winning a game or two. Let us know who some of those might be. Well, I'm going to pander to you here. I have USC getting to the Elite Eight. I love it. So do I. I really, and I mean, I'm I'm a fan, obviously, right? I would. But the <laughs> thing that I like, uh, Jack, is when I was, you know, I think we all sort of do this, right? Throughout the year, you're watching games, you're watching teams, and you're kind of making these mental notes or, or making lists like, okay, this is a team that I like, and this is a team that I, I'm not that high on. And, yeah. and it felt to me like a lot of the teams that I wasn't that high on this year all ended up in the Midwest bracket. A lot of the teams that I was sort of looking to fade in the tournament because they've had sort of recent struggles or maybe I thought they were a little bit overhyped, they yeah. a bunch of them showed up right here. So I think win or yeah. lose for USC, I really like where their draw is because I wasn't high on the ACC and they run into a Miami team that I don't think is all that great and they don't have a whole lot of size. I'm not that high on Auburn away from home and then down the stretch I just I wasn't all that impressed with Auburn. Yep. Wisconsin's got some issues with with uh, Johnny Davis. We don't know about his health. I think Providence was ranked the luckiest team based on luck metrics in the country. Yep. A, a lot of their close wins just all seem Seemed to go their way and then I think Three of their conference games got cancelled That could have ended up being two or three more Losses for them I think two of them would have been on the road I, I just dig into all these LSU Just fired their coach Iowa yeah. State they I think they scored 40 points In two a couple games down the stretch They've been awful offensively It's not a bad spot for my Trojans It's really not No and the, and that Midwest bracket I, have, I think I have the most Upsets in that bracket I have Richmond beating Iowa and Beautiful. I, I love Richmond beating Iowa. I think Iowa comes in as the hottest team in the nation. Gotta so fade the, them. 
got to yeah, fade them. It's going to be all over them. A 10 and a half point spread. I like Richmond to win outright, but if I'm giving out advice, I'd say take Richmond plus 10 and a half here. But mainly for the fact that Richmond's very old. They yes. bring back 79% of their minutes from last season. They're the 18th oldest team in the country. And it's the the drum that gets beaten over and over and over again. Veteran guards, veteran leadership. But that matters in March. And so I really like Richmond to keep it close with Keegan Murray and the Hawkeyes. I like South Dakota State. To I, I got the Robin. same thing. We're in some trouble, Jack. I've got the same matchup there as you two. The 12-13 matchup yeah. right there. It feels, in, in just to piggyback your point a little bit on Richmond, they... They brought all those guys back for this, for the chance yeah. to get to the tournament. They they kind of struggled a lot of through their their season, but then they did what a veteran team does down the stretch. They won all their like they won the conference tournament. They won four games in a row, and the the story that I think we all are rooting for is the cool story for Grant Golden. You know their their player who was the guy who collapsed on the court back in 2016, 2017. Then he had a heart procedure. And he had a medical red shirt And he's played four years And now he gets the opportunity to go And win an NCAA tournament game Kind of gives you goosebumps You know, this is the kind of thing college sports are all about Because is someone like that going to get to the pros? Probably not Is Richmond going to have uh, NBA players off their team? Probably not But this is these are a bunch of great basketball players That came back because they wanted to try to do something big For their program that they'd remember forever Beating an Iowa team and winning an NCAA tournament game Would be just that yeah, exactly. And and Grant Golden can put some pressure on Iowa. He's a big man who can step out and hit threes. Jacob Gilliard's a, a really good player for the Spiders. And this is their chance to – VCU's been overshadowing them in Richmond, Virginia for the last couple of years ever since Shaka Smart took the Rams to the Final Four. This is the Spiders' chance to get back some of that spotlight there in the mm-hmm. city of Richmond. And you were talking South Dakota State. Man, the, the thing that's so impressive about this team – so – they're a very good three-point shooting team. We see a lot of mid-major teams are, you know, sort of smaller schools. They don't have the the athletes, so they have to be they have to be good shooting teams, right? They'll have to shoot more prolific from three. But this team is not only good. When you yeah. look at their stats, I think there are only two teams. What, there are what three hundred sixty college basketball teams in the country, something right right around there, and something like that. I think there are only two teams that shoot over forty percent from three. In fact, they're both right next to each other in this Midwest bracket: uh, Colgate and South Dakota State, who's one. And and South Dakota State uh, or Colgate shoots forty point one percent from three, so just barely over forty. <laughs> South Dakota State shoots forty four and a half. They shoot four whole. Four and a half percentage points higher than the team that's second. Like the difference between first and second and three point percentage is what the difference is between second and like seventieth. It's it's insane. Their effective field goal percentage on Ken Palm, they're the best team in the nation in that. Providence could not have gotten a worse draw here. It's a bad matchup, and it doesn't really. It shows you how good of a team South Dakota State really is because Jack, when you shoot that many threes. You shouldn't shoot that well of a field goal percentage overall. Yeah. Because your three point percentage is not going to be as high as your layup percentage, even if you shoot great from three. So they shouldn't be the number one shooting team when they shoot as many threes and they are as good from three as they are. But they're just a good 
basketball team They are a team that is more than just kind of a gimmicky offense too You know, you dig into them a little bit and you dig into their schedule Um, They averaged 86.7 points per game, which was second in the country only to Gonzaga They scored 90 or more points seven times during conference play They've won 21 straight games they're they're insane. And the best part about this Jackrabbits team, the absolute best part, they run it at such a high tempo and they don't play defense. Just yeah. the most beautiful. That's the people talk about soccer being the beautiful game or or if I forget the exact word of what it's called. <laughs> no, no, what what the Jackrabbits are doing in Brookings, South Dakota, that's the beautiful game. It is. Up and down, they just run and I don't I mean, just to give you an example, Vegas, this is one of the shorter lines you will yeah. ever see in a 413. This game is at two right now. Providence is a two point favorite. So they know uh, this is a sharp South Dakota State team. And I think anyone who drew this team was going to be in for a fight. And it just was a perfect matchup for a team that I wasn't that high on in Providence. So. Jack, let's do it, man. Let's get the 12-13 home there in the Richmond-Iowa uh, game and then the South Dakota State-Providence game. That opens things up. I think we we do have a legit shot for possibly a Kansas-USC rematch of, uh, of last year in the in the tournament um, in, in the uh, the Midwest bracket. So this is what's fun, too, is that bottom half of the bracket here is the you got the football powerhouse bottom quarter bracket, right? You've got USC, Auburn. Wisconsin, LSU, like all these in Miami, these notoriously yeah. like you like football programs that all it's like what are is this the football college football tournament here? What is this <laughs> with these teams, right? <laughs> exactly. I think you got Alabama, Ohio State somewhere too that they yeah. can run into each other at yeah. one point. Oh, they yeah. run into each other in the national championship, but it yeah. The, so we're talking a little bit about the Midwest. We're talking here with Jack Fitzpatrick from DRF Sports, and he gave us a couple nice uh, upsets there with a, a 12 and a 13 seed. So um, who do you think, you know, let's let's elaborate a little bit more on this. You said you have USC making a little bit of a run, but tell us what your, uh, what your final four look like, and then, you know, who do you have uh, cutting the nets down? Who do you think is the team to beat when it's all said and done? Yeah, so my final four might be a little bit, not controversial, but I don't even have Kentucky or Duke making it to the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight. I don't have them getting to the second weekend. I'm really low on both of those teams. I like that. So my final four is Gonzaga coming out of the West. I, I go back and forth this East part. I really like Purdue, but I just don't trust their offense. Jaden Ivey, Zach Eady, Travion Williams. It's a stud group of offensive players, but their defense is lacking. And maybe I'm buying into some recency bias, but I have St. Mary's making the final four in a WCC showdown between Gonzaga and St. Mary's. That might yeah. be some recency bias. I'll accept that. But, man, they look good. And the WCC championship game, the final score was a little misleading because they were right there with it within striking distance against Gonzaga um, really late in that game. And on the other side of the bracket, I have Tennessee, Kansas making it to the final four. Tennessee beating Kansas after beating Arizona, a rematch of the early season game. And then a little chalky here, I have Gonzaga winning it. I love the Tennessee pick, and I uh, I hope you're correct on there because I play in a um, – uh, every year I play in a fantasy players pool draft for the tournament. Okay. So I think we have 16 teams. Everybody picks six players, and it's just a straight draft, and it's only based on points. So you got to target the teams that you think you're going to do well, but then it gets fun because once like 
you know, the first two rounds, basically the top five players from Gonzaga, Arizona, like all the number one seeds end up going. So then you got to start deciding, okay, am I going to get, you know, the seventh or eighth player from one of these good teams that, you know, maybe gets five points at the most, or am I going to go for <laughs> someone who could score 30, but be one and done, you know? So it's, it's, it's a, a fun way to sort of have to figure out what you're going to do. I targeted a couple guys from Tennessee. So Tennessee making a nice run would be very, very good for me. So I hope you're right there. Um, in that one, Jack. So yeah, I mean, I got a little chalkier than I wanted to be this year, but I, maybe I think in the final four. But in the first couple rounds, I'm with you. I think I have a few spots where I've got the twelve thirteen there. I have another one where I think UAB uh, has an opportunity, maybe in the Houston. I agree. Game there. Um, I just Houston. I think they've done a fantastic job getting to this point. Um, their coaching staff with with some of the injuries and the the issues that they've had, but they haven't beat much this year. You know, they really yeah, haven't, and they may not have the best player on the court there. Walker, it could be the best. That's Jelly, right? Yeah, exactly. It's Jelly, the CUSA. Also, I watched a lot of CUSA basketball this year um, for reasons I don't want to admit. It's a little embarrassing <laughs> why I'm sitting down watching a terrible mid-major conference. But the top of the CUSA was a pretty solid league, and they come out of the West region in the CUSA, so they break it down East and West. And the West region of the CUSA was stacked. They had UAB, North Texas, I think La Tex in the West with Kenneth, Kenneth Lofton Jr. and Kobe Williams, which I thought they were going to win the CUSA. But so UAB's kind of battle tested. They've played some some really solid teams, and that offense is no joke. It's kind of like the same thing we were talking about with um, with South Dakota State down there against Providence. That offense is really good, and they're a kind of an older team. So I really like UAB over Houston. Let's take it. Let's get a couple of twelves home. Jack Fitzpatrick, DRF Sports. Jack, so I would love if we could uh, maybe next week, maybe the next couple of weeks, maybe we could do a little check in uh, at the beginning oh, of next yeah, week and and see how everything's gone. And because uh, it's so crazy how quickly things go. Right now we're talking, and there's the two Wednesday night games haven't gone. So like actually, there are still sixty six teams left, and by the time <laughs> we hit. Sunday night, they're going to be 16. It's so crazy how it just quickly flips in those four days. Yeah, I, I absolutely love it. And you were, you were talking about chalkiness. I've learned through my years of doing this that the first round is never extreme chalk. But then when you get to the sweet 16, that's when yeah. it gets chalky. And yeah, because the first, that, I think the week off, right? Once you've got the week to kind of, it feels like the talent, the better team sort of, some crazy stuff could happen that first weekend. In some of those yes. first few games, I think, but a forty-hour turnaround really hard. Yeah, yeah, and so you come in, you have a weird game. A, a team gets hot in their first game, and all of a sudden they carry it right over. You know, they play great Thursday, and then boom, they carry it right into Saturday. They're still feeling it. Then what ends up happening is you got a, a, a team that maybe got a little pumped. They got was sort of winning a game off of some momentum or off some adrenaline, and now all of a sudden they run into a team that's had a few days to watch film on them. And to scout them and to study them and to prepare for them. And that's where you, that uh, sometimes the inferior teams get into a little trouble in those situations. Yeah, 100%. Jack, uh, man, this is a busy week for everybody. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you've got a million different things going on. I'm sure you've been looking at brackets all over this, that. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and, uh, and talking. And thanks for dishing out a couple upsets. And it's scary that you and I knock on wood in the Midwest. We are, uh, 
we are in in unison there with a lot of our thoughts down in the Midwest, and uh, and hopefully we can get UAB home there as well. And let's ride Tennessee too, so that would uh, help me with my uh, my little fantasy players pool. Give us your plugs one more time. What do we need to follow, and uh, where we can follow you, and what's the best place to follow DRF Sports for all the great info info there. Yeah, so if you follow DRF Sports on Twitter, it's going to be at DRF underscore sports. You can follow me at FITZ all the way. Um, and then we're doing a lot of fantastic stuff at DRF.com slash sports. Through this weekend, so through until Sunday, so round of 64, round of 32, there's going to be about one game free um, for each region. We have DRF Sports Pro right now, and we're giving away a game free for each region. And then for the Sweet 16 and the Elite Eight, we're slashing the price 50% off our annual plan. Normally, I believe it's $99. It'll go down to whatever half of 99 is, 49. Is that how math Sounds works? I right. think it is. Yeah, I think so. Um, and then for the Final Four Elite Eight, slashing the price for our monthly subscription to DRF Sports Pro from $19 to $9. So a lot of really great giveaways. If you want to just experiment with DRF Sports Pro, head on over to drf.com slash sports. Like I said, a game free in each region so you can play around with it, check out all the betting angles, the team statistics, all the trends, all the information that's over there on uh, on drf.com slash sports. It is, if you're a gambler, if you're someone who is just getting into it, whatever level you are, it's perfect, right? Because that's what I, with information, it's all about how you use it. It is, and and you can, yep. um, don't let it overwhelm you, but once you start having fun with it, wow, it's going to really add to your, to your repertoire, to your resume. There are going to be angles that you look at, and maybe if it's something that doesn't even help you for that specific game, it's something that you're going to, it's going to be in the back of your mind for another game moving forward or something that you see down the line. So I've, uh, it's helped me so much just getting involved with DRF sports over the last year, year and a half, talking more with you, looking at uh, the game breakdowns, the score predictors, a lot of the stuff there. And then the, the, the pro plus subscriptions is just going to be even more and more information there. So Jack, um, you and I could sit here and go through this bracket for a, for a long, long time, I'm sure. But uh, we know that you've got stuff to do and you've got places to be and so much happening over at DRF Sports. So we'll be following along with you. We'll be uh, tuck, uh, touching base with you and going back and forth over these next couple days, man. Kick back and enjoy the Thursday and Friday, the, uh, the holidays for, uh, for folks like us. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Hopefully we can make some money on those days, too. Let's do it, Jack. Thank you so much, buddy. Good luck to you, and uh, good luck to everyone over there at DRF Sports. Do not go anywhere, folks. We have more to come on this March Madness Bracket Breakdown Spectacular. Stay tuned here. Don't go anywhere. Always great catching up with Jack. Make sure to head on over to DRF Sports for uh, a little help. Anytime you're looking at a game, DRF, anytime you're looking at the races, and hope you all have an Awesome week. This is one of my favorite weeks of the year. I love these four days with all the college basketball from uh, from start of the day through the end of the evening. I'm here in Southern California, so always the the games always start really early for me. So all day long, I'll be watching and uh, firing away. Good luck to you. Thanks to Jack. Thanks to Eric. And coming up a little later on today, I'll have another episode out that'll have wrestling with Chad Cooper. We'll. Recap everything happening in WWE this week, and then we'll do more AEW next week. We'll also do a, a special tribute to Razor Ramon, and then I'll give you some racing stuff for Thursday and for Friday and uh, and into the weekend. So good luck in March Madness.